Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody, and welcome along. It is a tad after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday, Series 13. 13 years we've been doing this now. Uh, this Just this show, never mind the rest of the sports car content, our first podcast back in 1998, believe it or not. Uh, s- uh, series 13, uh, episode number 9. Nice to have you uh, with us tonight, uh, live from Hindhoff Towers, looking over a very dark meadow at the moment, but at least it doesn't have snow on it this week. Although I say that, of course, it didn't stop the mighty Jeep Cherokee uh, last week. We got around no problem. And this week, it was like I was on a different continent on Sunday, never mind in, in a different uh, in a different weather system or a well, you different season. Were you on a different continent? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was in the same place as I was on Saturday, but it was when I woke up on Sunday, I went out with a T-shirt on and washed all the three cars that sit outside uh, early on uh, Sunday morning. And um, it was actually, there was heat in the sun. It felt like spring, which it hadn't the previous part of, of the week. So, anyway. Uh, this morning so, it felt really warm, didn't it? Sorry? Were you out this morning in the sun? It was yes, really I was. Warm, it was lovely. It? Very lovely. I was out very early because the team transport for the weekend has turned up and I had to take delivery of that, of which more later. Uh, on tonight's show, Tim Greer, our executive producer, is up in London. And on a packed programme tonight, Tim, we have what? We have all the usual features. Yay! We have uh, some news. Yep. Uh, we might have a special guest. In fact, I think we will have a special guest, but I don't know exactly when yet. Okay. Uh, Graham Goodwin has just flown in, especially for the show. He has. Uh, and we might uh, have someone in America. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, plus, uh, points press release of the week and maybe some news in Spanish. Uh, are you reading our chat, Tim? I'm not. Uh, the took, listener isn't hearing us, uh, only hearing the bed. I, uh, not listening, not hearing you, only hearing the bed. Yes, yes. that would make sense. It'll be fine on the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, it is now slightly longer after 8 o'clock than when I said this the first time. Uh, apologies uh, to those of you. There was I, talking to myself, as usual. Um, it'll be different on the podcast. Uh, let's crack on. And uh, I'll do some. Uh, I'll do a bit of housekeeping. Uh, Rob Chalmers, no airface this week, digesting an ample burger. Zach Evans, listening live as a warm up for watching some actual cars at Silverstone this week. It was beautiful at Silverstone this weekend. Um, 
who else have we got? Amazing feeling, deja vu. Yes, Fujiard's here. Uh, Carol Brink says, normal listening service has replied. Uh, Kevin is back in the desert. Presumably Kevin's Kevin's listening over there in Thermal as well. Chris Humphreys, in Silverstone Village at the White Horse. Used to be my local that many years ago. Uh, EFA's for him tonight. Hope you enjoyed... um, Wednesday night at the White Horse, I seem to think, is steak night. It always used to be. Anyway, uh, no EFAs for James Camper tonight. Chemistry revision class for year 11 is done. Uh, dinner cooking to be ready for a sit-down with midweek motorsport. Then I am sending... Uh, he says, then to the less than exciting business of sending off a cover letter and accounts. Thanks in advance for getting me through them. Excellent. Fine meal tonight. All good. Uh, more on that in a moment. Shall we play the jingle and we can get started? No, tell me about the fine meal, because obviously it's uh, National Pie Week this week, so have you had pie? Not yet. There will be time for pies. We've got to be a bit careful with pie, because obviously not eating the carbs. We tend to make a pie crust um, out of suet. Yes. Uh, so it has less carbs in it, fewer carbs in it. Less. You can probably say less. I think you can say fewer as well, don't you? Um, uh... However, tonight went for a classic. It's all uh, it's all our Formula One correspondent's fault. We went for his. It was his favourite meals tonight, and so I will bring him in and say hello to Nick Damon. Uh, hello, John. Hello. Nice team. to have you back here. Yeah, thank you very much. Good evening, everybody. I have to say, I had a very warm time last night. I was in Dubai. Yes, we can't say why. We can that. if you like. No, no, we can't. Okay, we can't. It's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so, all your favourites tonight, which means? Uh, well, we had uh, olive, olive for ketchup bread. We had a bit of uh, camembert. That was baked. Uh, Vacherin uh, Monteau. Yes, very nice. It's foreign now. Yeah. Uh, very lovely. Had, uh, none of the focaccia bread, John. I had a tiny he did little a, bit. He had a bit there. We had a very nice ribeye snake. Snake? Ribeye steak? A ribeye snake would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, ribeye steak with uh, some broccoli or tender stem and a very nice sauce. So you'll have to explain to me what it was made of again. But it had smoke involved. Yeah, uh, smoke, uh, smoke and black peppercorn uh, sauce for the for the steak, which uh, I made from uh, from scratch. It was very nice. Yeah. Thanks very to good. the fact that my um, very uh, clever wife recycles everything so we had some really nice uh, uh, stock that was going begging uh, and presumably is it's Nick's favourite profiteroles exactly so they're still to come I've had a lot of profiteroles recently <laughs> I don't believe it even close to the number of profiteroles I would have <laughs> I decided to m- try making my own shoe pastry right may have got the quantities a little bit wrong did you put your foot in it boom boom I uh, right. on the first day I ate as many as I could, um, and uh, I hadn't got through half of them. Right. Uh, so I had the final five yesterday. How many did you have in the first day? I had eleven on the first day. Oh, that's still lightweight. Can we move on? We're six minutes in the show. We've not done any more sport yet. No, but we have to talk about the fitterol. Yeah, which is almost. Uh, Simon Hoff is in live tonight, getting ready for the twenty-nine hours. <laughs> of so what it is. Oh, yeah, it is of course. It's, so yes, it's five, and then they start the other thing. Yeah, uh, twenty. That's only racing, of course. Yes, it's all night practice and everything else, and not including support races. Yeah, but don't worry about them. We're not doing the support races, so that's fine. Starts to get warm, but it's not as cold as it's going to be. So, do you want to play the jingle then? <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> 
all the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. We're going to start with some Formula One news. Hooray! Very loud hooray from our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Well, I love a bit of Formula One, you know me. It's been a uh, tough time in Formula 1 for them getting out on the track, but this week at Barcelona, it's been a lot nicer than last uh, week. The fat lady has sung indeed, the yes. monster at Caballé. Sorry, sorry where have... did you say, John? Hmm? Where did you say? I said Barcelona. Ah. We yes. don't have the jingle. Oh. Oh. <laughs> It'll be there by the time we get to the podcast. Yes, after it doing about, won't be. 11-2 oh. laps, 11, about 11 laps between them in the previous uh, test last week, they have been pounding for the first two days of this test on Tuesday and uh, today on Wednesday, and they had done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laps. Danny Ricciardo today did 165 laps himself. That's almost three what, without Grand, a car? With three <laughs> Grand Prix distances. Really? Just a trundling around in his Red Bull. Do we know on what tyres? Martin Tag Heuer. Well, yeah, well, various tyres. Uh, yes, that's interesting, isn't it? Are we, can we talk about that now, or do you want us to save that for later? The tyres? You can talk about tyres if no, you want the, now. No, the Aston Martin Red Red Bull Tag, Tag Heuer. Heuer. Yeah, loving. It's a big loving, Go isn't on. it? Well, re- dear listener, remember when uh, Andy Palmer came on the show to talk about the tyre? Andy Palmer from Aston Martin, the and CEO. It's very, very confusing, that. Um, and... Uh, we asked him the question that everybody wanted to know, what's it going to do for sports car racing? Are you going to stop? And he said, no, of course not. He said, I will never preside over an Aston Martin that doesn't go sports car racing. He also said it makes sense to sweat the assets of both of those uh, brands, Red Bull, Red Bull Formula One racing and Aston Martin. And lo and behold, this week, Tag Heuer, who are the... Officially, they're the Red Bull engine, though of course we know they're not. Engine sponsor. Well, they're the engine name. They're the, they're the name on the engine. Well, yes, so they're sponsoring the engine. It's a Renault. Uh, not, uh, yeah, but it's not quite... I know what you're saying. It is, they are giving money, but they're bad engineering it officially. Yes, OK. Um, so they're the engine sponsor. Um, in in the same way is, as Honda is the engine sponsor of... No, they're the engine manufacturer. Yes, but are they giving them a buy on selling matter, them? the manufacturer, but if you look at it, it's, it's different, it, because it will say, the entry will say, I think this year it will say Aston Martin, Red Bull, Tag Heuer, it won't say Renault. Okay. Well, anyway, Tag Heuer have anyway. now become the official watch of Aston Martin. And I'm wearing my Gran Carrera this evening. Hmm. It just made me think, actually, that I better wear it, because I've been wearing my Amiga for the Olympics, and I'd forgot that it was not the Olympics anymore. No, I'm wearing the Tudor for the... Very good. Sports car championship Very doesn't good. be sponsored by anymore. <laughs> I don't have a watch. But there's still an official, uh, the official timepiece, I think. Of Imsa? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, interesting. So that that branding exercise has come to, well, that partnership, rather, has I come to fruition. I think Tag had chuffed a bit about that. Yes. <laughs> and be I, honest. And I, will, I presume that we'll see them on the Aston Martin race cards. I would assume you'll see a whole range of Aston Martin tag Heuer's coming out very quickly to mm. rival your Brightly by Bentleys and your... Ah, uh, well, don't forget they were Jaeger Le Couture. They were. Jaeger Le Couture have moved... This is very boring, but Jaeger non-watch aficionado. But Jaeger Couture have exactly really moved away, have moved away from the chronographic side of things and they've gone very much more dress watch, in my opinion. Yes. Which is a bad idea. Yes, I know. Don't like it. Um, Jaeger did a watch that you could open your car with. By tapping the... What, because you could smash the window with it? No, no. Well, probably, <laughs> yes. But you could tap the crystal. It would have a rocky crystal on it. And it rocked from one side to the other. 
and you could open the car with it. Right, okay. That's the very... Anyway, today we called it 165 laps today. Yeah, it, but you said tag hoy, so... Yeah, that's no, fine. Um, and Not everyone, the first time, of course. Oddly, all the teams have been very reliable apart from one. Now, which team is guaranteed to be reliable because they've got rid of their major reliability problems in the last three years. Well, you'd think it would be McLaren. You would think, right? Which team keeps breaking down? McLaren. Which team is breaking down despite the fact their car isn't unreliable, according to them? Mm, Still McLaren. McLaren. What is definitely unreliable? Breaking down. Um, Much to their chagrin, one would think, Mm. the um, Honda engine... 119 laps with uh, Hartley here today? Yes. This was the source of all Mm. their... angst over the last couple of seasons. Not only 119 laps, but a lap time that was pretty decent as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it, it they is... They were about half a second off on a tyre compound that was only one compound away. I do feel that this is more a case of Shannon Freud than anything else. Um, I don't think there is a necessarily a particular unreliability with the car. They've got a couple of packaging issues and they've had a couple of uh, unlucky breakdowns like an engine blow is not really down to them if it's a, a problem. Surely the last engine. three years has been down to packaging issues though. Well, it's what you had in your package. Um, no, but it's down to the fact that the package is too small for its contents. Well, some of it is. Yeah, well, yeah, this is what we're going to yeah, find out. Point. We are going to find out once they actually start running because they have they have two benchmarks uh, in Red Bull and the Renault Works team to, to run against with the same engine. They can see if they can... Uh, uh, managed to prove they have won the best chassis and they've not got off the greatest start um but it is only testing they have put in reasonable times when the car's been running um so i don't think the car's dog slow it's just pretty unreliable and they have got and this you know the point about it is everything that breaks down during testing theoretically it won't break down if it's a you know, a programming error or a connection problem or a, the bolt from the exhaust falling off as it was last week. It won't happen in, or shouldn't happen actually in race day. So sometimes you want to have a couple of problems because you actually find them out in, before they cause you a major problem later. Hmm. Uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport, Series what? 13, Episode 9. Uh, Nick Damon's our Formula 1 correspondent. Where to uh, next bit more? Uh, we're staying with Formula 1. Hurrah, again. Right. Uh, what's Esteban Ocon been saying today? Um, the please can I have not as good as it was yeah, please can I have a sandwich with some tomatoes in it and a necktie has he been saying he's best mates with um, uh, Checo Perez again now because that was recent sort of thing uh, that's not the answer I was looking for ok uh, what is it he's been saying that uh, the Force India mm. is uh, not that far away from the Red Bull well, no, it's about it's about probably depending where he's in the track, anything between a couple of yards and uh, several seconds. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the Force India have said that they are testing a car that is very basic, and they have a major aerodynamical upgrade of bolting on parts uh, in time for the uh, first round in Australia, which of course is um, on the 25th of March. The season actually kicks off the first race in. Uh, Albert Park, but you know, I think it's easy to say these sort of things. The Red Bull actually looks pretty good um, in ultimate pace. Whether you know, you look at the ultimate pace, and certainly today, um, it's Mercedes and Red Bull. Ferrari were mm. a little bit off the pace, though. Vettel was running an extra half day, wasn't expecting to, and Raikkonen wasn't feeling very well. But the interesting thing is, and Mercedes have been playing the whole, oh yeah, we were worried about Red Bull, but you kind of wonder really how hard Mercedes are trying how much they're stretching the cars, how many extra modes of their engine they've got to, to go through. My guess is several. Um, 
you know, they, they, there's, there's plenty of, uh, of excess, and, and you know, you don't stop being a dominant team with uh, with stable um, regulations after, you know, in between. They, they seem to have done exactly what we, we thought they'd do, or feared they'd do, depending on your level of support for the, the team from Bricksworth, Stuttgart, and uh, Brackley, is they've filed off the rough edges of their car, which they were finding hard to set up, and have produced a car that's probably going to work at every single race. So it is going to be a massive challenge for the speed of uh, the Red Bull and the Ferrari. And the Ferrari, early on today, is not looking quite as quick, but they might bounce back tomorrow and leap the top of the timing sheets again, because we expect to get two more dry days in Barcelona. And then, of course, they pack all the cars up and ship them off, fly them off, of course, off to Australia. Uh, what do you know about uh, Nicholas Tombasis? Uh, he's an aerodynamicist, isn't he? From? Oh, I don't know where he is now. He's been everywhere. He has been everywhere. He was at Benetton. Uh, he was at uh, Ferrari most recently. Uh, he's just got a new job. Has he? Yes. Is it... Well, I don't know. It, I, I now have to make a guess out of eight, really, don't I? Uh, I no, don't, it's ooh. not one of the eight. Oh, Is he back at Ferrari again? No, he's just left Ferrari to is take he... on this new job. At... The FIA. Ah, right. So that means he'll be able to get another job with the team again quite soon uh, when he's absorbed all the secrets of all the teams. Uh, his job is head of single-seater technical matters. Right. So he has to count the number of seats. In a statement issued by the FIA, he was confirmed as being new head of single-seater technical matters. Right. And, and did Reporting they to FIA technical director Gilles Simon... And right. working in close cooperation with single-seater director Charlie Whiting, Nicholas's chief responsibilities will be the management of the FIA single-seater technical branch (brackets Formula One technical team and technical delegate for F1 slash F2) close brackets. Right, so he's going to make sure he's going to try and catch them instead instead of Charlie. Yes, he's the new game. He, he is the new point town. of contact for teams and suppliers. Ah, oh, so that's it. So he's going regarding. Regulations and their implementation. All right. Is this legal? Mm, not so sure. If I give you this big present, is it legal? Yep. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> what are we going to say? Uh, I have no idea. Do that one. Um, I'll ask you a Who question. Is... Who's, whose birthday is it today? Not mine. Oh, now I did see this earlier. Who did I need to say happy birthday to? He's 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 got his own jingle. He's in the F1 paddock. It oh. is I, Leclerc. <laughs> it, it wasn't him. No. Oh, it's Charles Leclerc's birthday today. Well, according to the, the Twitter feed of uh, Sauber, he hope we won't get it wrong. Uh, what else has the Twitter feed of Sauber been asking or answering? Um, whether why uh, don't know they've been saying that Tatiana Calderon is going to be their test driver. Yes, That's correct. Yeah. Yes, very good. So apparently, girls, uh, sorry, no, female no, drivers no, can no, drive. No, stop, stop, stop. Did you actually read the article on ESPN F1, which is the which is the source of this angst? Did Carl you actually George, read it? Absolutely not. No. Right. Then don't be suckered in by the clickbait nonsense that was misleading in the utmost degrees. I am not saying that I am in any way an apologist for Carmen Jordan and things she said in the past, but the stuff that people are going on about is not what that okay. she said in that article. I stand corrected with them. Did she say that the Formula E car was less physical? Go and 
go and read Which it the article. Anyway, in fairness, of course it's less physical. It's got less retardation, less acceleration, less g-force. Of course, it's less physical. It, it does 110 mile an hour flat out. A GT4 car is more physical than a, a Formula E car. I'm not arguing that point. That's a statement of the obvious. I'm not. I, I honestly, I again, I will say, I, I I've been the first one to criticise Carmen on some of the things that she said. Go and read the article on ESPNF1. It was a shockingly bad piece of journalism, which unfortunately is all too prevalent nowadays with people either writing clickbait headlines and sensationalist headlines that are not worthy of the gutter tabloid press or, at the very least, misleading headlines and perhaps even worse than that. Uh, And it's happening in motorsport far too often and I am sick at it and tired of it, actually. And it's caused a Twitter storm <laughs> with all sorts of people wading in. And again, I, I will say again, I'm not apologising for Carmen and what she's done in the past, but I urge everybody to go and read the ESPN story to what she actually said and then make your mind up. It, it's I, I'm not going to tell you what I think because... It doesn't matter right now, but but please, if you're going to pass comment about that, and you'll note that I haven't, at least if you're going to pass comment about that story, go and read what she actually says. I will do. I feel I feel thoroughly chased. It, it, it wasn't just towards you. That. It <laughs> was know. much more towards the anyway, publication company. Tatiana Calderon is going to be their test driver. Yes, very good for her. So hopefully she, I don't think she's actually down to get any Fridays, but therefore she should get some of the young driver tests uh, in season. Uh, and the other thing is, that having now seen the car on the track, it looks great. It looks even better on the track than it did at the launch, the Alpha. It's actually looking a little bit quicker this weekend as well. It's been a little bit slow last week. And interestingly, having said that there wasn't enough red on it, the red on the track really stands out. See, this is why probably Andy Blackmore was probably going, no, John, you're wrong. You see, this is the if it was just red. It's just wrong. You need to have the contrast. Alpha have got some very nice white colours. No, it's one outside for you, though, mm. isn't it? I, I prefer the greys. Um, yeah. What's I do age too. Thing? So, so we're talking about uh, Sal. Anything else about Yours is a family around? thing, Tim. His is an age thing. Yes. Uh, nothing else about Sauber. Uh, I did uh, move away from from Force India far too quickly. Oh, did you? Because obviously we were we were asking uh, for suggestions yes. last week, weren't we? Yes. Uh, did we get any better ones after the show? Uh, we got a few more when people were uh, listening to the podcast, uh, which were quite interesting. But not immediately to hand. We, we no, might come back to those uh, later on, uh, and I'll play this jingle. Crown Court. No surprise there. Mm. It's like a weekly occurrence, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is. It's is the it, court report. We need a sponsor for this. Is it Max again? It's not. No, no. Is it Max got the front page of Private Eye? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think they were listening to us last week and thought, do you know what? We haven't embarrassed Max Mosley for far too long. He's embarrassing himself. I know. Just let, he Just wouldn't, he wouldn't let it lie. He wouldn't let it lie. Uh, this will be Vijay Malia then, is it? Yes. Excellent. Where's he, which court has he been in this week? <laughs> I'm sure uh, it's he's, next, he's, extradition, surely, isn't he's it? He's still in the same court because uh, he's not allowed to leave... Uh, the UK at the moment because uh, he doesn't have a passport. 
Uh, and that might be one of the reasons uh, for this week's news story, which is based around uh, the location I went on holiday last year. Croatia? No. It was somewhere, it was somewhere like that, wasn't it? Uh, not my first holiday, my second holiday. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know, but you and your international jet setting, I don't know where that is. Where is so where was your second holiday? I went to Malta. Oh! Right. Uh, Malta GC, of course. Yes. So, so what is what is going on in the, the cause of Malta? Got the George Cross. His yacht has been impounded. No, yachet? No. Yes. Super yachet. Really? Yes. It's called the Indian Empress, and uh, it was uh, in Valletta Harbour, and I suspect it still is. It's still there, yeah. It's got cones uh, around it. The crew uh, claim they haven't been paid. Ever. Uh, and are owed a million dollars. One million How many dollars. of them are there? There were 40 of them. So it's 25,000 each. Uh, Mariners Union Nautilus International uh, said the yacht had been abandoned by its owners. Really? Yes, because obviously he can't leave England. Yeah, but his mates can leave England and sail it back. Or well, not just his mates, his captains as well, presumably. <laughs> hey! Uh, what did you say it was called? The Indian, Indian Empress. Empress. Right. Uh, Surely that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, yes. Uh, however, it's ninety-five meters in long. In, uh, in long. In long. <laughs> yes. Maritime law uh, says that the crew of a vessel can declare a claim uh, over that vessel to the value of unpaid wages. All right. He bought it in two thousand and six from the Qatari royal family. It, it's, it was built in the Netherlands at the Ocean Court uh, yard, and it's it's pointy with a with a you know the, the, the double. It's actually registered top. in the Isle of Man. Yes, which is the best place to register a yacht been there. or plane. Really? Mm. Isn't mm. it, Lewis? Yes. <laughs> That's for, hey, no vat on that. Bl- so so basically, they just they, he's. I don't quite understand why he didn't just send one of his, one of his teens down to there to, to the, sail it to, away. To pay their wages. Because uh, he hasn't got the money, I suppose. Uh, a spokesman for VJ Malia said... What am I supposed to do? You've frozen all my money. It's not fair. Uh, we have no immediate comment. That was a brilliant statement. <laughs> Wasn't it? It's worth $93 million. 92 it's now. It's worth 92 now. That's 91. That's uh, £67 million. 90. <laughs> 89. Any advance on that? Someone, someone's just registered IndianEmpress.com. So. Uh, Andy Blackmore, who's just tuned in this week uh, and heard his name, has said, uh, yes, that livery is a great set of uh, colours, works surprisingly well uh, with the, that red is a great hue, works surprisingly well with the white. You could go more red, but you've got to be careful you don't end up like a junior Ferrari team. Oh, hang on, wait a sec. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Uh, which team is in crisis? Oh no, uh, we've done that story. Still McLaren. Still McLaren. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's kick him again. Uh, which driver is feeling concerned? Oh, that's Stoffel Van Dorn. That's still McLaren, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what does Toto Wolff think? What about anything? Uh, does he think that, that it's going to be very close this season and they're going to be battling Red Bull and Ferrari? Yes. Was that, uh, That's pretty much it. Uh, 
he says uh, I don't think they've been there at all, best case scenario we're not in front by a lot worst case scenario we're not far behind right I'll tell you right now they are a long way ahead massively they are a long way ahead and they aren't even trying because whilst but what I would say is that Red Bull have obviously come up and they've got themselves their ducks in a row for, for the testing that they haven't done before. But at the end of the day, um, they've got a, they've got a Renault engine that's always going to be 30 or 40 horsepower down. I don't believe they have the miracle chassis. I think there's there's enough clever people now at uh, Mercedes to catch up for it. Mercedes had a great base to work on, and they've they've sharpened a razor blade. Well, actually, they've sharpened quite a dull razor blade from from the hand. And Ferrari don't seem to have done anything. They seem to stay where they are. And remember, at the end of the season, how far ahead Mercedes were at the end of the season. Yes, we had an exciting middle start and middle as they caught up and got past. But at the end, you know, apart from Mexico, where the altitude played a part, um, they were a long, long way ahead of the last five races. And I don't think that's, I, I, and I don't want this to happen, by the way. I'd much rather it was a 15-team fight, even with any 10 teams. But you know what I'm saying? I think, you know, it's, it, they're saying the right things to keep people interested, but... Once we get to the real track, don't forget that Albert Park is not a representative circuit, so just ignore anything that happens there, good and the bad. Good point. Um, you know, you go then you go to Bahrain and I think go to China, Bahrain, Bahrain, I can't remember Bahrain, China. And at that point, I genuinely think that, that we will start seeing the, the class happening. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Red Bull can do it. I hope Ferrari can do it. But obviously, I hope McLaren can do it, but I'm just being silly now. Um, but I don't, I don't see it. I've quite fallen in love with the uh, Indian Empire. Well, it's for sale. It's available. It's very nice. There might be one of those special auctions. Hang on, it's had a refit for 95 metres. 95 million, right, okay, yeah, sorry. 95 metres. It was $150 million when it was uh, when it was new. Uh, it's 95 metres long. Uh, I bet it's gaudy inside. It's well, it's it's that was the refit. Muted tones of beige. What down in the gaudiness? Yes. Oh, yes, good lad. Muted tones of beige and uh, a fifteen-seat cinema put in. Oh, that's good. A Playing Psycho lounge. as well, apparently, which is a bit of a strange choice. Redundant land on the main desk. Hey, that's, that's, Janet, that's Janet Lee in Psycho. It is, you're right. <laughs> this, is, this is commentating on a on an internet report on a boat owned by someone who's got something to do with Formula One on a motorsport show. It's a yacht, not a boat. Boats are what you find in toy shop windows. A boat's what goes on a ship, is what my grandfather, who was in the Royal and the Merchant Marine, and he told me that's how you can tell what's a ship and what's a boat. <laughs> a boat is what goes on a ship. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, what's got a lovely uh, rear end and blows well? Uh, well, <laughs> outside, anyway. No, it's Renault. Stop it. I didn't. It's, it's Renault, Renault, yeah. With their new blown um, rear says, wing. Says who? Oh, um, Gary Anderson. Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, okay, fine. Yes, well, Nico, they are, but the, one of the major changes that's happened over the past several years is the attempt to reduce the influence of exhaust gases, the use of exhaust gases to provide um, aerodynamic downforce or even more aerodynamic altering obviously it, it reached its nadir in the uh, in by 2012-13 when we had the red bulls with their blown diffusers with you know with it's a pride that when they were running very thirsty engine modes just to keep the exhaust running even when the engine wasn't big engine wasn't didn't need it just to uh, um get keep the flow of gases to effectively energize the diffusers well that's been to, to, to supposedly taken away with the regulations when they made this single tailpipe out the back and that was it and then uh, but now people then found that they could actually 
point the exhaust gases at various uh, parts of the aerodynamic structure. The famous monkey seat was one of the key points. They actually accelerate the air over that, or, or mould the air over that to get more downforce. They said, right, that's it, we're taking the monkey seat off, so you can blow all you like into that big empty space, and you're going to do nothing. And guess what? The engineers are cleverer, and um, specifically uh, at the moment, I'm sure if it works, get copied. Um, Renault have got a slightly angled up outlet to their main exhaust pipe, which blows the uh, hot air, the accelerated air, uh, through the uh, at the underneath of the main plane of the rear wing, which is uh, rather obvious. It's, it's not painted; it's coated, it's coated with heat-resistant material, and that apparently gives a massive, or at least a, a tangible and well worth it gain in downforce. Um, obviously, accelerating the air under a uh, aerodynamic surface will reduce the pressure. So, let's see what happens. Listening to Midweek Motorsport, just after half past eight here in the UK. Welcome along wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is for you. Series 13, episode nine. We're still in the Formula One news. Um, uh, are, are we moving on from that? Are we staying with uh, F1 for a moment? Uh, just uh, let's uh, forward promote a programme next week. Right. Uh, our Formula One season preview. Oh, hooray. Uh, where uh, we will be joined by our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Hurrah. Yeah. That was a very muted hurrah. Well, no, because I, I blew them up the thing last time. Yeah, <laughs> that that is true. Uh, and uh, our uh, um, drawing things uh, technical correspondent Sam Collins. Oh, a regular commentator, you mean? He is quite a regular, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you? And uh, either me or John. Ooh. Uh, that's next uh, Wednesday after next week's Midweek Motorsport. Ah, which will be coming from Sebring, coming presumably. From Sebring. We'll be talking about Sebring a little bit later on. Right, okay. Excellent. Uh, also still to come tonight. It's a bit early for still to come, but we are going to be talking about Silverstone. Hurrah. I was there this afternoon. Not so quite. was Prince Harry. I prefer to talk to you. Never seen the two of you together. No. <laughs> More of interest to my, uh, my wife's family, <laughs> in <Yeah>. fairness. <laughs> in fairness, I've never seen Meghan Markle and John together, so, you know. <laughs> and have now you, that I've slimmed down, have you been starring in the suits the past seven years in Montreal or Toronto? I, I can't say. I, I just think yeah. it might have been. Uh, I didn't have any problem getting into Silverstone this afternoon. Right, perhaps you gone by I've then. Never had any problems getting into Silverstone. Well, no, wouldn't there be security if you've been well, there? Well, that's what I thought. So you must have gone by then. Well, there was a lot of TV. There was a TV satellite truck there, and the, there was clearly mm. something going on. I, I thought it was for. I thought for it was you. a bit early for Creventic, if I'm honest. So. Uh, so, Formula 2. Yes. Uh, they've been at Paul Ricard this week. They have, I know. Everybody's going to Paul Ricard at the start of their season. I know, because it's sunny and it's. Um, Lovely. Un- it un- it un- is. Unfettered by any sort of. Uh, uh, all, all, <laughs> crowd. Of my, all of my trips to Paul Ricard have been March or April. Thing. I went out, mm. when we went. Um, yes, yeah, so it's it's been a land of Norris benefit, hasn't it? Is anyone surprised by that? Negative. Well, he's first year in the um, in the class, so yeah, it's not. I've got, I haven't really had a chance to assess whether it's whether it's a, a good. Uh, you're better at this than me, but the uh, Division Two boys. Do you think it's a good batch this year, or not quite so good batch? Uh, we have uh, quite a strong batch. We've got um, Nick De Vries, who's been there a while, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he's at Prima. 
We have uh, Ralph Boschung, who is another newcomer, but has been very strong. George Russell from the further down. Uh, Sergio Setacamera, who is where's in George Boschung been? I've commentated on him. I think George, George Russell won GP3 last year. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Ralph Boschung. Yeah. Ralph Boschung, you'd have done him in European <laughs> F3 when it supported WEC. Okay. Um, Jack Aitken, he's uh, oh, yeah, there's Jack uh, and Renault George sharing the Art Grand Prix team. Reserve driver this year. Martin Markov's still there. Uh, Maxi Gunter is pretty good. Uh, Ollie Rowland is there. I think no, he's either there testing. He's just he's standing in for Nicholas Latifi. Oh, Tifi. that's right. Yes, Latifi was injured. Because Ollie Rowland is Williams' test driver, isn't he? I oh, know he's Williams' driver. young driver. He's about 36. We're seeing him driver, yeah. 26, actually. <laughs> but as we said last week, older than the two drivers who were driving. Mm. Moving on. Uh, so that was uh, Formula 2. I nearly yes. called it GP2 there. That's, uh, Formula, yeah. Formula, Formula 2. Formula 2. Yeah. Uh, there's been no more GP3 testing. That is still called GP3. That's good. Why is that not gone... Oh, yes. D- sorry. <laughs> Asked. Sorry. Forget it. Move on. Cut that bit move out. On, move on. Keep going. Keep going. I haven't had a cup of coffee yet. Um, Jake Hughes is uh, the other um, GP3 driver who's been doing really well. Hmm. So do you think Mel Norris is going to win this then? Yes. And then what happens? Then he's got to build his strength up so that he can go and drive a Formula 1 car. Or a Formula 3 car. <laughs> Um, no, I just think because obviously, you know, this is are McLaren going to have the same problem they have with with Lewis when their driver they wanted to take two years to win uh, the second tier wins it the first year, mm-hmm. and there's no gap in the team at that point. There's like, but they do have a them? gap next year, don't they? Well, only if um, Fernando gives up. Do we think Fernando will stay next year? <sighs> I think he's keeping his options open. He said diplomatically. Where else would he go in Formula One? Well, that's the question. And the so answer, if, the if answer to that is nowhere. So, so we know that he's got next season in Toyota, part for part of the season through till June. He's got Toyota Drive if he still wants to do that by then. Yeah, the issue really is if McLaren is is good, is averagely good. Say it's, he's trundling around fourth or fifth overall mm. in the team, which is very possible. Does he think they're going to make a leap up, or does he think there's no point? I'm not, that's as good as he's going to get. Then the question becomes, and I'm sorry, taking it slightly away from just the Formula One question here and whether he steers. So let's say he decides to steer. Mm-hmm. The 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 new McLaren Renault. Uh, yes. Um, I can't get used to that. It's the orange one. Yeah, McLaren orange. It's the McLaren orange one. Um, the, uh, is. It's not lucky that the colour it is is named after them. Um, they, um, <laughs> so let's say steers. We haven't seen the Formula One calendar for next year yet because it won't be out for ages. Probably 23 races. Yes. Let's say, I don't think it'll be 25. I think so how many more WEC races will have to be changed to keep no, them on board? They will, they will miss that the rest of the Super Season. They'll definitely miss that. The FIA will not let them clash with anything in the Super Season. They won't, and don't forget, we're now dealing with Liberty and not Bernie, so Liberty will toe the line. So those 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 two races which would clash, which is Spa and Le Mans, will be avoided. Sebring, Spa. Sebring, yeah. 
Sorry, Lamar. I forgot Sebring. Sebring's before the season starts. It's a week before. It's a week Sebring before. has Sebring on occasion. Sebring will be the week before, won't it? Sebring has, for the longest time, not this year, been the same weekend as the Australian Grand Prix. It won't be next year. Okay. Because they, they just, it just it doesn't make any sense for the FI to do that. And the FI have enough control of liberty not for it to happen. No, Bernie would go. Yeah, okay. No, I don't care. I'll do what I like. So, so then the question is. What is good enough? Let me just tell you right now. To only, keep Alonso there. There's only one. Let's imagine, right? It's very likely Raikkonen's going to go, but there's no chance that Alonso will go back to Ferrari, and they're more likely going to pick up Charles Leclerc. So, but if Danny I do Rick, like his jingle, I think. But you if Danny Rick, no, goes to Mercedes, which is fifty-fifty. Why was Danny? Why would Danny Rick not go to Ferrari? I don't think he's that sort of driver. Because he's already been teammates with Seb and he didn't like it. Oh, don't, I mean, Derek might go to Ferrari. I'm kind of assuming they, they really have penciled in Leclerc for that. Um, but that leaves a space at Red Bull. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do we think that either Hartley or Gasly will be in a position to get promoted to Red Bull at the end of this year? And my answer to that is no. no. Do Red Bull have lots of money? But don't Red Bull have Carlos Sainz to come back? They do have that as an option. Heidoff in... No. Point something out to no, make about They F1 do have shocker. that as an option. But if you want to win, you need the best. Who's the best Spanish racing driver? That Fernando Alonso. Do you throw your money in the, into a hole and you go, right, oh, for two years we'll spend... A, in fact, he'd probably do it cheap. He'd uh, probably do it cheap. To be honest, though... I like uh, I like Sainz and I think Sainz is very no, good. No, it's not. It's not. It's I think not, he's had a bad rap. I think he's it's not he's a bad good. call, but Sainz has got to beat Hulkenberg, mm. and that's not a given. Sainz and Max back together again. That didn't go very well last time, did it? No. Yeah. Okay. I'd forgotten about that part of it. And Max will have his feet under the table. Max won't be won't be bothered about uh, Alonso. Alonso, Alonso won't be bothered about Max. It it could be very good for Max. It's, if it's, can beat. But, but I don't see, it's, it's, you know, going back to the original part, this massive speculation over another year. We've, we've, we've written another whole year already. I don't see how, unless the McLaren turns out to be as good as the well, Red th- Bull. Well, that, that, that was my question. That's how we got into this. What does it take for Alonso to reinvest his time in, be, in McLaren? It has to you, be you've mentioned something interesting incredibly there. Incredibly close to the Red Bull. You, you mentioned something very interesting there because I don't think it's about money for Fernando now. It's about opportunity. He's got a few things he wants to tick off. He wants to win Indy. McLaren are giving him an opportunity to do that. Does hmm. that play? Not if Indy's clashing. Which it always will with Monaco. Mm, that's true. I think you know it's, it's, he's got limited years left where he can do well in F1 just because the, the clock's ticking and you do need to be at a, at a higher level to to you know, to do that than the, than the other events where you've got either teammates who can help you or you it's just a slightly lower thing. Um, Let's stop talking about 2019 anyway right, and uh, move on to uh, our final two uh, bits of Formula 1 oh, news, uh, both of which involve me pressing buttons. Here's the first one. I have no idea what this is. I don't do modern music. 
John will know who this is. Um, not a clue. Um, you wait another ten seconds, someone yeah. will say it on Twitter. Rihanna? Not Rihanna. I'm sure they would have loved to book Rihanna, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a Singapore concert booking, is it? This is not a Singapore concert. Uh, Austin. Uh, Silverstone. Su- supporting Formula One uh, in the uh, self-proclaimed Pearl of the Caspian. Right. Azerbaijan. It's uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at Baku. Yes. Uh, who've announced another concert. So who's that? Demi Lovato. Two-time Brit Award winner. Right. Rita Ora. the wor- most exciting artists in world music. Right. Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah. right. She's, she's, yeah. She is very new. Mm. I, I'm now going to sound like a 52-year-old father of two going, I don't know this modern music at all. <laughs> See, I know Rita Ora. Yeah, that's because she was... Anyway. She's good. She's, um, yes. Anyway, moving in on. In the gossip pages. Moving on. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next thing, which is this. I can't reach the button. No te fías en español. Ole. Por midweek motorsport. Gosh. That was very dry, wasn't it? It was very dry. News in Spanish. How long has that been since the last one? Oh, it's not been... It's been over a month, I think. I don't remember doing one for years. El piloto mexicano de Force India. How long is this going to last? <laughs> That's not a very good translation. No, no. How long is it going to last? It's quite important because I'm, I'm trying to get our next guest up. Uh, let's say less than 90 seconds. All right. Okay, good. Excellent. Well, okay, In which case, I'll stay, I'll stay I'll, where All right. Are. I'll be straight for this first line. Then the Mexican driver. Yeah. Uh, do you know who we're talking about? Uh, Chico Perez. Yes. Very good. Dejo a un lado de Formula One para visitar las instalaciones del Barcelona, líder indiscutible de la Liga. Right. Well, that's interesting. So he's, he's been to Barcelona, but he's decided to get on a scooter uh, for the uh, the La Liga match. So um, that's a bit weird. So he's, 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 is he is he being like um sort of in a, in a in a an outfit, being the comedy the comedy turn at half time? Junto, oh, okay. Al Espanol Mark Marquez, piloto de la MotoGP. Check your tomo photos con Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, y Sergio Roberto, entre otros. Okay, so he's 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 been there with Gerard Piquet, who must be one of the other seven sons of Nelson Piquet we were talking about last week. Um, and apparently, also, he's he's obviously on this scooter. The scooter's been lent to him by Mark Marquez for some reason. Um, and there's, there's also a selection of people who who are, who are riding. Ah, is it is it some sort of? I know what this is. This, they've had a Madison competition, haven't they? Um, at the um, at the Bernabeu, not the Bernabeu, which, which is the Barcelona Stadium. Yeah, uh, yes, the yeah, New Camp. New Camp. New Camp. They've had a Madison competition, Camp so he Camp was ri- he was riding the the really slow motorbike at the front in a funny outfit. The dirty bike. And they rather than it's having called a dirty bike. Yes, and so and then he was chased by Mark Marquez in a proper bike, and then several other Barcelona footballers actually on push bikes. Definitely. Los del motor no fueron los únicos en. Sudia al entrenamiento catalán también los hicieron cuatro jugadores de la NFL mm. oh, well, that's, see now what's happened see this is interesting because effectively what's happened you know how everything's bigger in America yes so this is the first Madison they've ever, you've ever had in a, uh, a football stadium well they're saying in the NFL 
they're not going to have a little bike. They're having a Quattro. They're having a big four-wheel drive Ford F-150. It's going to drive around. In, in the shape of a quad bike. Exactly. And that's going to drive around the NFL stadium whilst everyone else cycles behind it. Because, you know, Americans us topping better. us all. Yeah, yeah. Like Von it. Miller, Denver Broncos. Casey Hayward, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Christian Kersey, Cleveland Browns. E. Micah Hyde, Buffalo Bills. Presencia con la victoria del Barcelona sobre el Atlético de Madrid. E. Aprovechoron su visita para recibir su jerseys personalizados. It, this sounds like uh, some kind of art house film, Vicky Cristina Barcelona all over again. I think... I think Victoria Barcelona. Obviously. Yeah, I think and also there's something about um, someone has some, some jerseys. So obviously these are the, the lycra. So basically, this, that was a list. What, not new potatoes? No, then? it was a list of the cattle. various American footballers who are actually mammals, middle-aged men in lycra, yeah. who will be chasing after the 4x4. Right. Is that it? Hello, Graham Goodwin. Ah, oh, right, you see... You, nah, you see, that's, that, that, that's poorly planned. Yes. <laughs> you said 90 seconds. Yes, we've done our 90 seconds. OK, hang on. Let, uh, he's still 60 seconds away, isn't he? No, 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 no. He's not 24 let, hours from Tulsa. It's a mile from Beaconsfield. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see if we can actually talk to Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscard.com, who is on the M40 at the moment. Good evening, Graham. Hello. I hope you can hear me. Yes, we can. In in glorious telephone. Can you hear me, John? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Hello, Graham. Can you hear Hello. us? Let's try that again. Graham, can you hear us? I think we've lost Graham. No, he's the engine he's, noise is if, there. Uh, if he's we still ever there. had him. No, no. I we, am here, John. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? We can. I can hear you beautifully now. We're oh, uh, we're just piling on down the M40. Um, on the way to the British GT Media Day for tomorrow, after uh, the couple of days out in America, so the Dunlop Tire Test there. So let's uh, crack on. We're just pulling off at, uh, for a, well, I suppose it's a global branded fast food stop at uh, Beckham <laughs> Services in what is the DSC shed. Now, uh, the, in a scary uh, piece of um, coincidence, you are going into a service area that I did the official opening for. No, it's a plaque. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was. It was. It won't have John's name on it if it does. It, it was me and uh, Paul Swift in the car park. Uh, we did the official opening of Beckinsfield. It's quite funny. For the whole town. Wow. I'm going to go look. I'm going to see if there's a statue or a plaque or something. Almost bound to uh, be, isn't there? I'm, I'm sure there is, mate. There'll be something there. Um, tell me about the, uh, the the Dunlop tyre test first of all. Oh, lots of good stuff. Uh, Dunlop, uh, of course, back in for open competition in LMP2, in both the, LA, the uh, FIWC and, of course, the LMS. And happy to say we're going to get some tyre competition in both this year, with a couple of teams looking set to opt for Michelin in the WEC for the first time in the new cars. Uh, a good lead proportion of cars there, with uh, more than 10 LMP2s three different chassis manufacturers, a, a smattering but an interesting smattering of GTEs with proton competition there with their two new uh, Porsche 911 RSRs, um, and a goodly proportion, two of VLN runners. Yeah. Uh, also clearly uh, a big market for the Dunlop boys and girls, and some interesting stuff there, including something on mystery. Really? It was Toyota. Uh, yeah, well, Schubert Motorsport, we all know Schubert very well, and what do we know about Schubert, John? Uh, Schubert Motorsport, in what regard? As in, what will they be running? Uh, well, in the, in the past, 
they have been yes. very loyal to a particular German brand. They have indeed. BMW, uh, they're at the M6. The Evo version of the M6 was indeed in the garage, but also alongside of the garage, and without a program, I should say, but running on Dunlop's cars at the test. Um, one second. Um, I love the no, fact that Graham, on, live on the radio, is is directing his chauffeur as well. No, no, I was basically saying don't turn the car off, <laughs> otherwise we lose the Bluetooth. I ask a point. Um, the um, basically there was a Honda NSX there on the uh, really? Now there is a, a Honda NSX GT3 program and GT Masters. Yeah. Uh, but that, of course, is on Pirelli tyres. I've been directed by Schubert to say yes, indeed, they are assisting Honda with. Uh, the development program in Europe for that car, but there is no program at the moment for the Honda on Dunlop tyres. Now, okay, we can speculate, because we like to. Uh, might they be looking at a VLN program or Whispering John? Might they be going to the Nurburgring Ring 24 hours? Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope but, so. Uh, but but yeah, it's a week long test at, um, at uh, the Oregon Circuit. First time I've been there, it is one of those. Uh, unusual things in European motorsports, a circuit that takes you longer to drive to from the airport than it does to fly to the airport in the first place. Um, and it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, a pretty well-filled pit lane, it should be said, uh, not least with 10 truckloads of uh, Dunlop tyres, five uh, new uh, tyres this year. I don't just mean five individual tyres, I mean five new compounds. <laughs> no, year. that would be weird. Uh, it's, uh, so all three uh, slick um versions completely new a new intermediate and a new wet tire mm. and was hearing some good things about a couple of the uh the new choices on offer so it, we could be seeing quicker times again for those new cars this year you remember last year at the same test we're beginning to see some of the the early niggling problems from the lmp2s work their way through and some of the niggling problems from the tires too working their way through but uh, no such issues this time some quick times we were uh, watching coming from there one of the Toyota trucks in the lockdown, lockdown compound, having just finished another test uh, for the Toyota TSO50 hybrids. Mm. We'll, see, we'll see them again in just a few weeks' time, of course, at the uh, WC Prologue, Prologue yeah. coming to France. But lots of stories emerging from it, some drivers that we weren't expecting to see, some drivers that we were expecting to see, uh, some other stories to emerge, and a few surprises uh, of changes in some of the entry lists. But the biggest story, I think, John, it's a story that you and I talked about when the entry lists were uh, drawn up for the ELMS and the FIWC, was a conversation with Roman Rutinov, yes. who did confirm something that had been confirmed to me the day before, that the team has uh, put into the draft uh, full-season entry list that uh, initially composed himself, a given of the air, and Jean-Éric Verne will not be permitted to compete. That is, of course, two gold-ranked drivers and a, silver, and a platinum. No sign of Jean-Éric Verne. Uh, Mathieu Vativier was on site but was there for his WC ride in the other TDS racing car. Right. Roman was there. Um, and a couple of other drivers being given some time in the car. And no deals done as yet. But I can tell you that uh, Alexander Imperatori, a gold-ranked driver, certainly was tried out in that car. As indeed was Andrea Pizzitola, uh, who is, despite his Nissan factory backing in the past, is a silver-ranked driver. And yeah. That would be a cracking squad for the 26 car in TDS Racing. Yeah, um, I, I expect Alex Capardi's phone might be ringing as well um, in the near future. Um, you did say the Toyota were there, the TSO50. They weren't on Dunlop tyres, though, were they? 
no, no, they're just the truck. So the truck was actually <laughs> uh, locked up in the compound. So uh, I don't expect we're going to see any P1 cars this season on no. Dunlop. But it's very clear to me that um, I think there's a plan uh, Shay Dunlop. They were very keen to uh, show what they'd actually done in terms of the GTE efforts with Aston Martin Racing before that deal changed. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, I don't think it'd be too long before we see them, them, them bidding again for another factory effort. Uh, let's rattle through a couple of other stories because I know you've got a lot of driving to do uh, tonight and we're heading up towards nine o'clock in five minutes. So we'll rattle through a couple of stories. And just to underline that ELMS entry for G Drive has been refused with the two golds and the platinum. They will have to find a silver. And it looks like Mathieu Vaxvier is the guy who's going to lose out on that one. Um, we could spend half an hour talking about this. Let's just revel in the fact that there are 29 cars for the Michelin Le Mans Cup for full season entries. That is looking very nice indeed in terms of the spread uh, and uh, the numbers of cars, Graham. Yeah, I mean, a big entry for LMP3 cars. That is, I think, mission accomplished for yeah. the ACO in terms of being their development series. Great to see more normal chassis in there, and also good to see the Japanese TKS squad with uh, Ginetta. So Ginetta for the full season. Haven't seen the Adesk come back, which we were expecting. Uh, Matt Fernandez on DSC telling us that the team actually expected to rock up with a couple of Adesk chassis. That's not happened. That's rather a shame. But uh, 23 uh, LMP3 cars, uh, just six GT3 cars. So again, that's a class that's underperformed as the LMP3 class has been bringing things forward. Uh, so I'm afraid still work to do with the ACO and their commercial guys about attracting GT3 cars. Graham, serious question on that. Is the yeah. fact that there are so many LMP3s perhaps putting some GT3 entries off? A lot of people who run GT3 cars run them in places where they are the top dogs. You know, if you run them at the Spa 24 in Blancpain and stuff like that, it's a single category. It's uh, They are the fastest things out there. In Creventic, they tend to be the fastest things out there. All right, that'll be changed this weekend because we're getting prototypes and, and GT3s for the first time. But that's a, a, a one-off. Do you think it's possible that some of these teams, and particularly some of the gentlemen drivers in these teams, have got, you know, I, I kind of don't fancy that being... A, I'm not going to win overall, and B, I've got these pesky prototypes buzzing around me mirrors all the time. It might be one of the factors. I think what you've also got to take into account, of course, is a massively commercial marketplace. You've got SRO that are very good indeed at building a grid with GT3 cars. They've been doing it for some time now. Uh, they've got blue ribbon events themselves for those GT3 cars. And the reality, I'm afraid, for the ACO at this stage is that some of the guys that might choose to be attracted by the road to Le Mans know darn well that they have got an even chance of actually doing that, even as a one-off entry. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm afraid they've put themselves into a bit of a corner now. The, the interesting one for me in the, uh, the entry on the GTs, by the way, John, is almost all Ferraris, with the exception of a single Porsche, that is EV Motors. And EV Motors, by the way, uh, we know are going to be in the Le Mans 24 hours proper through their win in the GT class of the Michelin Le Mans Cup last year, but they've gone for a full switch to Porsche. Um, uh, we did have Fabio Bibini, by the way, at the test uh, today. They are waiting for the delivery of their Porsche, which he confirmed is the seventh customer chassis. So they've extended it from five to six to seven now, uh, but he was going to get some time 
late on today and into tomorrow in the second of the two Proton cars. And uh, we'll be uh, revealing tomorrow, by the way, on DSC, uh, the first confirmed three-man crew for Proton and the LMS. And that does include uh, a relatively significant name um, returning to the Porsche brand. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, while we're talking about, we were talking about LMP3, um, a team that's been around for a long time, in fact, since 1998, we knew it as GTEC, uh, racing in World Series and its various iterations, uh, expanding into prototypes with a, an LMP3 and uh, V to V as well. This is now called Team Virage. Yeah, I mean, you know, V to V. You know, I've been taking a lot of kind of emails and calls from Matt Fernandez. is very, very keen on pushing just how healthy that scene is, and there's a lot more to come. Another significant story for V to V in the next couple of days as well with the smaller prototypes that run in a different race, because it's B2V, it's not just the one race, there's four or five races they run with monopostos, with small prototypes, with GTs, etc. It's a really healthy, um, I think, series package, uh, because you know what? It's doing what a lot of series forget about. There's a lot of customer care going into this one. I know Van der Viva and his, um, his you know, very keen team uh, at B2V, pushing hard to attract their existing teams to commit more cars and new teams and teams to add further kind of uh, classes to their programs. And, yeah, the various competition team is another one of those. Uh, so, you know, V2V, I don't think it's going anywhere fast. No. In, the, in an era, John, where we do say very often, perhaps the market is a bit flooded, the V seems to go from strength to strength. Yeah, they've got. I think they've got the balance right. The, the races, the kind of budgets that are required. Um, we're at nine o'clock. I want to do one story, one more story with Graham. We'll do still to come, and then I want to pick up on what's happened at Geneva because there's a, a few juicy tidbits coming out at Geneva, and uh, nice to say that in a huge marketplace for automotive. Uh, manufacturers that there's quite a lot of motorsport stories coming out of that but uh, let's quickly talk about um, a Fittipaldi uh, who is going to get a drive thanks to the fact that Renga van der Zander can't drive at Dragon Speed. Yeah it's fair to say that Elton Julian was one of the least amused men on the planet when the uh, the um, the calendar change came from Fuji he was already going to need to find uh, uh, a substitute driver for Spa for WEC. And Pietro Filippaldi, grandson, of course, of the great Emerson Filippaldi, is the, the pick. He was the final World Series champion. Um, that series, of course, coming to an end at the end of the 2017 season, where it was still an official uh, feeder series mm. for the FIWC. And it's good to see that, actually, that's brought a little bit of fruit. It was something where there was a degree of cynicism about, but Pietro will race in the Dragon Speed uh, BR1 Gibson for uh, two of the five races we're going to see in the Super Season in 2018 and uh, caught up with Elton about that uh, announcement and he was telling us on progress with their program and their car, uh, hearing that uh, much against uh, what some others have perhaps written, that the Gibson engine, uh, the LMP1 engine that will power that car and will also power uh, the two Rebellions, another car, by the way, which featured the first reveal, at least in render form, uh, at Geneva, but that uh, engine has been running, certainly in dyno, uh, for some months. That's Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Graham, can you stay with us um, for just a, a minute or two uh, after we do the STC, and then we'll let you go and get your well-known fast-feud chain uh, repassed for this evening? 
Uh, absolutely fine, John. No problem at all. Thank you. Graham Goodwin, uh, live from a motorway service station on the way to Donington Park, where it is the British GT uh, press day tomorrow. Johnny Palmer there as well. 26 cars will be at the GT uh, major day. We'll have uh, more from Graham at, um, uh, an, uh, in just a moment, but it is just after half time on this week's Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway. And uh, we have still got then just under an hour of the ninth episode of Series 13 still to go. Nick Damon still with me, John Hindhoff here at Midweek Motorsport headquarters. Tim Gray's up in London and we'll have more from Graham Goodwin in a second. Also in the second half of the programme, Shea Adam will be joining us with some US news. Plus we'll be looking forward to the weekend and the start of the European Endurance Racing Series is at Silverstone. I was there today. Paddock looks a picture already. More of your comments and tweets, please, at Specutainment on the Twitter, and we'll keep an eye on that as well. All still to come in the second hour of tonight's programme. Uh, we're live from the Midweek Motorsport HQ here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. I actually nearly forgot where we were broadcasting there that, as I was going through that uh, still to come. Graham Goodwin uh, is still with us. Graham, let's go through. Um, y- you mentioned the uh, the rebellion. Let's hold that uh, just for uh, a moment or two. Let's uh, talk about some of the cars that actually were there. And one that we've been talking about quite a lot is the McLaren Senna. GTR. Now, remember, yeah. the McLaren Senna is already a pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pared down Focus. road car. Focus. Focused is exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you. That's why you do the writing. Um, uh, focused all, road. Tonight. You are. You are. Yes, indeed. Um, the GTR is basically the most focused and track-ready road-legal car you've ever seen that's gone to the gym, um, has lost a few pounds, quite a lot of pounds, and has put a bit of bulk on in the front splitter. Remember, there's active aero on the road car with a fixed front splitter and an even bigger rear wing, as well as the most outrageous side bargeboard type sill areas that you've ever seen. Plenty of room for a sponsor that McLaren doesn't need, of course. Um, what is this car going to do? Because at the moment, it's not homologated for anything. Uh, well, at the moment, John, for the rest of the week, it's going to be going round and round on a stand at uh, a Motor Show. But I think if you want to look, at, there's two stories, I think, here. The first is, the good news, I think, is that it's very clear that McLaren are looking for where their non-Formula One um, banner motorsport program is going to be. And it's very clear to me that they've decided that endurance racing is going to be it. It's very clear. And you look back, we can talk about the car in a moment. The two conversations I've had in, in recent weeks and months, both with significant members of the senior management team in the McLaren group in the post Rod Dennis era. The first of those came at a motorsport day at the McLaren Technology Centre. They came with the CEO of the McLaren Automotive side, Mike Fluitt. I asked him a couple of pretty direct questions because I'm rude like that. And um, his answer was that GTE is an aspiration. Now, Mike's arm of the business uh, covers motorsport that is not the Formula One side. Yeah. So McLaren Motorsport, which is 
Dan Walmsley at Extra Striker Racing, now the director of motorsports at uh, McLaren Automotive. Um, they will look after any aspect of uh, motorsport at McLaren that is based on the road car basis. So they, they offer us as the part of the organization that will be designing, developing, and building, and for that matter, marketing, the, um, the already announced, but still in design stage, McLaren 720S GT3. So if the car comes forward and is based on a road car, and the center, of course, is a road car, then that would go to Mike's side. And he did say two things that I thought were very interesting. One is GT is an aspiration. I then asked about the conversations that you and I both had, and others, of course, about the potential for a prototype program. And his answer made it clear that there was a determining factor as to where in McLaren that might go if it came forward. If it was a road-based car, so in other words, an Uber GT car, mm. it would be on the Mike Fluid side. If it was a prototype car, GT Proto, remember, as described by Pierre Fion, would be a prototype-based car, but with styling cues, that would likely be on the McLaren racing side, which, of course, to know, is known to the wider world as the current F1 out there. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on. Second conversation was with Zach Brown. It was during the Rolex 24 Hours Week. Zach made it clear, again, that he's keen on a prototype program to take McLaren back to try to win overall in the Mon 24 hours. But that a really key part of that is he wants to see a global solution to whatever comes next for MP1. And I think that's exactly why we saw the GTR. I think that debate is still raging internally. Yeah. I think they've not yet come to that conclusion as to which way they want to go. The one thing that is very clear to me is it's going to be one or it's going to be the other but it will not be both. The interesting thing is that the next story, and also at Geneva, we've seen the AMR Aston Martin Valkyrie, or properly the Aston Martin AMR Valkyrie Pro, launched at Geneva in the same lime colour that we saw the Vantage launched, both in road and race car form. Uh, The Valkyrie... um, Already very much a track car, not a road legal car, although Ray Mallet Limited under Michael Mallet will do you uh, a kit and that that car is roaming the roads somewhat menacingly around uh, this neck of the woods in Northamptonshire. The first one has been completed. Uh, but this is an even more... <laughs> so hang on, you build a £1.8 million track car and then you bring out the EMR pro version of that car this is sharpening a razor blade here from aston martin we haven't even seen the first of the actual valkyries yet and they're already bringing out version 2.0 and it's the first sports car by the way to have the tag hoyer branding on it that we were talking about earlier in the show it just goes to show what you get when you tick all the options boxes doesn't it really <laughs> the valkyrie but uh, it is an extraordinary looking thing and it's equal i think it was even last week john that you and i talked about andy palmer that Andy Palmer, not the McLaren Andy Palmer, um, that uh, that's his vision of what LMP1 can and should be. And this is where I think, you know, this is why this debate is taking time, is we've not bottomed this out. We've not yet got to a stage where uh, McLaren can determine what it is they might be building. Uh, so by, by its very nature, 2021 would be the first one on 24 hours, by the way, with a new... Um, brand of LMP1, a new kind of uh, format for LMP1, because of course it would be at the end of the 2020-2021 WEC season, which by the way means if they do decide that they're not going to go uh, 
GTE racing, but they are going to go LMP1 racing, they would not be celebrating the 25th anniversary of their overall win with an entry at the Le Mans 24 hours. But the, the Valkyrie is a thing of, it's an astonishing looking thing. And yes, I love the current LMP1 prototypes and the way that, that might go. And, you know, with uh, styling, and ten- if it looks anything like that Mercedes SLR, did, uh, SLR rather did in 1999, it'd be fine by me. But equally well, there's a clear appeal in these, you know, it's basically a, uh, a hypercar on lots of illegal substances all at the same time, <laughs> if you it actually looks. And nobody, I think, would complain if that's the way we went. The, the key question so what you, what you, what you're is, saying is, it's, it's, sustain it? It, yes, well, that's the problem because the cars themselves, the base cars themselves, are super, super expensive, and as from their nature, by their very nature, are you know exclusive, and then to turn them into a race car when your base car is one point eight million pounds, um, yeah. really? There is, a, there is a further, there is a further problem, John. I'll reel you back for a moment to the last time we saw a car in open competition LMP1 that had not been designed as a race car, okay? And that came in 2012 with the Toyota. That was a development car. Yeah. And what, that, what, that, what they found with that car, it was certainly up to the mark in terms of performance, but it wasn't in terms of serviceability. And yes. that's what I'm concerned about about the hypercars, is that, you know, it's not designed as a race car, it's designed as a road car, or it's designed as a trackable um, yes. version of a road, an extreme road car. And it could be that that makes it an awful lot more difficult to actually get to a racing solution in a proper endurance race. Yeah, and in an age when you and I, down through the years, working on various broadcasts for TV and radio, have said, this is a, pick the amount of hours of the event, 6, 12, 24-hour sprint race, effectively between pit stops, really, um, the expectation now is that we have almost complete reliability or at least serviceability, um, which allows people like Porsche to drive back through the field and win Le Mans last year. Um, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, talk of Toyota, uh, the GR, Gazoo Racing, uh, being the new moniker for all of Toyota's sharper-edged products, Supra Racing Concept. This is a return of a very, very... Big name for Toyota, the Toyota Supra. You, they've got to get this right. Uh, this is a platform share with BMW, remember. Uh, only the hard top for Toyota. Uh, the uh, the soft top version of the car is exclusive to BMW. This is on the 8 Series platform, if I remember correctly. Uh, everything that I've seen, it's in red, white and black. Uh, it was revealed uh, at Geneva. They look like they've got it right. And to me... It's absolutely recognisable, Graham, as a Supra for 2018 onwards. But the question remains again, where will it race? Well, um, where will it not? Number one, what's it been designed to do? It's been designed to attract attention, and it's attracted our attention. It looks a stunning piece of work. Has it been, a, uh, been designed against a set of rules? Well, if it has, it's been designed to GTE. It won't be a GT3 because Toyota already have one with a Lexus. End of story. Yeah. Where do I think we might see it? Well, look, there are options. They could put that into a Le Mans program. I think they're unlikely to do so. I think it's been made pretty clear that they're wedded to their LMP1 program moving forward. And we've already seen a different concept, of course, 
that is an extreme GT version with the TSO 50s hybrid drive installed in that. That was another stunning piece of the Tota auto salon. Then might we see it? Well, John, you will recall, because we've commentated on it, this is not the first time that we've seen a GTE concept based on a Toyota platform. Yep. And we have seen that car race because that was the car um, built by TMG in Cologne on the Lexus LFA basis. Correct. That was a mythical beast until Toyota Gazoo Racing in Japan decided, let's adapt this, let's put it into SPX, I think it was, or SP Proto format, and let's race at the Nürburgring 24 hours. I would be personally amazed if we weren't commentating in a year or two's time on that car around the Nordschleife. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that that's where it will go. Before we round off this uh, little circular tour of the salons at Geneva, and we'll go back to where we started with Rebellion in a moment, um, a car that we know has very much been designed to a current set of uh, Formula regulations is the new Alpine, a, Alpine A110, which is a GT4 car. Now, this is a pretty little car. It's compact. We saw the... Uh, concept of this car, what, a couple of years ago at the Nürburgring, yeah. uh, at the WEC. Uh, it's, no, it, it was in front of, John, it was in front of us in the in the booth at Le Mans. Oh, yes, it was, of course. That's exactly where it was. Um, the And we saw it moving, at least one of the concept versions of it. It's a very compact car, small dimensions, absolutely living up to the old Alpine A110 that had its... Uh, panel so thin you could see the sunlight through the roof. And trust me, I've sat in one, so I know that that is true. Um, these are going to sell like hot cakes, aren't they, Grim? Well, GT4 is in its pomp. We're going to see an awful lot of those tomorrow at Donington Park and uh, looking forward to seeing JP there. And a lot of variety uh, and grids in some depth now, not just with the new cars coming from the, the German manufacturers, but with actually some of the smaller marks as well. And I think the Alpine will go well. They said they would move on to market the GT4 version once they dealt with the one-make racers. These cars are being built by Signatech, obviously the Alpine mm. uh, WC team. Uh, they sold out pretty quickly, the one-make racers uh, and that production run, and GT4 is coming. What we're keen to find out is part of the announcement described, by the way, that that car would be eligible for the Spa 24 hours. And to my knowledge, huh? there is not, at the moment... A GT4 class at the Spa 24 hours. So we'll wait for clarification from SRO of that, but that was in the release that we saw. Uh, so either there's going to be a GT3 version of it, which is not beyond the wit of man, obviously, um, but I think unlikely, but much more likely that then we've got a sneak preview of the fact that there's going to be a secondary category added to the uh, Spa 24. Very interesting. Uh, or could they just mean a GT4 support race? It could be the... a GT4 support race. Yes, that as Tim says, down the line from London, which Graham can't hear, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. I, I've now said that, so he can. Um, we started with Rebellion. Let's finish there. The new... R13, clearly not uh, tridecophobic. Uh, this is the Orica-based machine. We'll have some words from Graham on this uh, in a moment after uh, we've uh, heard from a couple of uh, very important people. Uh, first of all, from the man at the head of the FIA WEC, Gerard Navo. Um So, is it a good time, as far as he con- he's concerned, for Rebellion to enter the FIA WEC? Good opportunity. Probably it was the right time to do it, and it's uh, more than an honor. It's a big value for the championship. 
uh, and for all the drivers on the grid because this is a way also to admit the fact that there is a real value on this championship and that uh, the value of the grid and the drivers on the track is very serious also. So the idea of the Super Season was we have to find a way to reverse the calendar because we have to finish by Le Mans 24. When you go to the fireworks, the bunch is at the end of the, of the, of the fireworks, not at the beginning. It's exactly the same for us. And we know very well that Le Mans is the most difficult, the most uh, iconic event, the most terrific event, so the big one. So we have to finish with this one. Uh, and uh, Neil Yanni uh, is our next little uh, clip for you. And does he think Rebellion can compete with a works team like Toyota? Is it a level playing field? You know, I think it, it's complete different technology between the Toyota and us. And um, in the end, Toyota has, I think, the more powerful technology. But let's see, you know, if uh, at Le Mans, you never know what happens. I mean, I have, I have witnessed it myself. In 16, I have won the race incredibly, which we basically lost. And in, in last year, in 17, uh, the win was sure. And then uh, I lost it in the last three hours completely. And, you know, anything can happen. So just give your best, stay in the race, and let's see what happens in the last lap. And then you know. Well, it has been uh, quite some uproar about it. No, they moved the calendar and so on. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for Toyota. Uh, but in the end, you know, uh, like everyone, he has to get used to it. And it's different at Le Mans. So, yeah, it will be good to see him to drive there, driving there. And uh, talking about Fernando Alonso there as well. Of course, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCard.com. R13. Uh, 12 and 13 have been the, the numbers, the preferred numbers for Rebellion as their race numbers down through the years. Um, this car bears a very striking resemblance to the P2 cars that we've seen from Orica in the last few years. It's been presented in a very fetching um, matte black or satin black and uh, bright red colour. Uh, Motul sponsorship across the across the windscreen. Um I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? Are they expected to compete with Toyota? And what sort of competition? They feel they want to take up the challenge. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the first question for any of the privateer teams, Graham, isn't it? Uh, well, of course it is. I think, you know, we've, we've, we saw, let's face it, a P2 car. In fact, P2 cars, uh, plural, come very close. So let's look at the equation. Put aside for a moment the fact that there's people out there that think their Toyota are going to win this by million billion miles you're dealing for let's talk just about rebellion for a moment they've got an upgraded version of a gibson engine which has shown itself to be rock solid so they've got more power we believe better fuel efficiency more fuel less weight and uh, you have to expect that they're going to give going to use the freedom they've got with more efficient aero if they can make it ultimately reliable and you've got to say with the Gibson that's probably the most likely immediate package to be able to do so then they've got I think they've got to be giving Toyota something to worry about uh, there are signs with a few conversations between the rule makers and the, the uh, privateers at the moment that maybe they've got Toyota a little bit rattled and waiting for a call back from one of the rule makers in answer to a question I've got about a bulletin or rather a a um, I've got this, a question that's been asked of them 
as to how they might react to a change in the regulations, which seems to indicate that Toyota might be a bit rattled by the potential for those LMP1 privateer cars. So I'm, I'm not expecting there to be close competition, John, but I'm anticipating that there might be. And even if it's not over yeah. full race distance, sure as eggs is eggs, Toyota have got the message. They have got to get the reliability equation bang on. Because without that, only one of those eight uh, privateer cars has to get it right on a day when both Toyotas get it wrong. And boy, have we got a headline. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items for this new rebellion. What we saw quote-unquote unveiled it to Geneva was a render of the car. The car will be seen in public for the first time at the FIAWEC Prologue at Ricard. Uh, also, am I right in saying that's on Michelin tyres, that car as well for the transition yeah, season? I, I believe at the moment that all of the LMP1 cars are committed to Michelin rubber. That's correct. Okay. Um, and who's running the car? It's got Rebellion on the side. Is it going to be Rebellion running the car? Right, so uh, my understanding is team manager Will, I believe, and I've, I've got to catch up with, uh, with Bart, I think Bart Hayden will be the team manager, but the car will be engineered by Orica. So the engineering side of things that previously was with Bart Hayden and his uh, Sabre Motorsports uh, organisation, that will now be taken over by Orica. That is part of the deal that gives Rebellion exclusivity on that car, certainly for the first season. Um, so they want to look after their new baby. Right. I think Orica sniffed the opportunity that might be here. And here, of course, is the massive irony. If they turn out to be the most convincing privateer, non-hybrid competition to Toyota, could Kuta Shonak be beating himself? <laughs> of course. Yes. Self-flagellation from Hugh DeShonak. Graham, we'll let you get away. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, not the most ideal of ways to get you this week, but it seemed to work. So uh, well done to the, the DSC Mobile and to you guys. And uh, have a good day tomorrow at uh, at the GT. Say hi to Johnny for us and we'll see him down at Silverstone uh, on Thursday evening and uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, of course. Cheers, guys. Good night. Graham Goodwin joining us uh, by telephone. Uh, it, it was very much a telephone, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was back to the 1970s. Earlier now, in the show, yes. I promised a special guest. Yes. Unfortunately, our special guest is on an uh, aeroplane. He's flying to Austin. Right. Uh, so we can't get him. Okay. So we have a substitute guest. Right, so is this, is this a less than special guest then? <laughs> He's still very special. To us. <laughs> and to everyone on this show. Oh, yes. Good evening to Dec- Declan Brennan. I'm not that special, you know. Your special needs. Hey, stop. Oh, stop it. Excuse me. Stop it immediately. Dex, thanks for jumping in at short notice um, for this. And thanks for being patient while we were talking to GG there. Um, it was through your hard work that we had CJ a couple of weeks ago, which we had to record uh, 10 days or so before the exclusive of the, uh, the NSX um, announcement for the... Uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship season and a few other races besides, including that quarter 24 hours. So thank you very much for putting all that together. There was a missing piece of that jigsaw, Dex, and that was who was going to be the additional driver. And that now you can tell us. Yeah, uh, a missing piece. 
not 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 in the, in the traditional sense of a jigsaw where uh, we should have had it and we couldn't find it. Uh, we we literally uh, actually announced the the, the program with uh, not a uh, a Scooby Doo as to who was going to be uh, oh, really? uh, running in the third car. Yeah, we we it was a case of uh, we'd build it and and they'd come and and they certainly did and we had lots of conversations at the test at at Sebring and and. Uh, and those conversations became were very fruitful, and and ultimately we really walked away from that event with a really strong idea of who we wanted in the car, and and that was uh, Kuno Whitmer, uh, and he will be joining the team for uh, Sebring, uh, obviously uh, next week, and we're thrilled to have him. Uh, absolutely, a man with a massive amount of experience. Uh, who has won at, at, at the top levels of GT in the United States and driven for factory programs and, and is just a, 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 a calm and professional and collected pair of hands, uh, that it, which is exactly what we need uh, for, uh, for the 12 hours of Sebring. Um, huge, Kuna Whitmer's got a huge amount of experience in a number of different cars. But I'm not sure he's driven the NSX, and I'm not sure how much mid-engined experience he's got, uh, Tex. Well, he's got a ton of GT experience, and that really is the most important part. He's got he, he's got a he's massively experienced, and and his experience uh, in GT cars will will be uh, is definitely translatable and will, will help. And and in some respects, that. In combination with his experience of the, this event, is probably the, the thing that swayed it. And and uh, I'm, and I'm not going to uh, uh, overstate, but I'm also not going to uh, understate the fact that he, his relationship and the way he gelled with uh, with Mark and Till at the test in discussions and subsequent discussions were kind of one of the reasons we went that way. Uh, it was. Uh, something that everybody felt was important that everybody had to have uh, to be on the same page in terms of just personal relationships and how everybody got on and, and the whole team chemistry thing is 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 kind of real from our perspective and and it really felt like he was the right choice. When uh, 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 the, the and the point I suppose about that Dex is this is a new. Um, undertaking for CJ Wilson racing and, and whilst you've got some very experienced guys there um, you haven't got a lot of time to get up to speed with this and having Kuno's input into the car and saying well you know this is what a good GT car should feel like that's going to be really helpful to bring that learning period down to manageable levels before you you head to Sebring and the subsequent NAAC races. Yes, and, and, and John, he'll be able to do that very much like Mark does very quickly. And the key to that is, and or the key uh, regarding that is that it, it means we'll give Till the maximum amount of time in the car because he's the one who needs more time in the car. Uh, and so Mark and, and Kuno will be up to speed pretty fast and uh, and really we can focus on doing what we can to get to get till where he needs to be interestingly with till as we discovered from the test which you'll you you'll fully understand understanding his background he absolutely nailed it once the tires wore off he he could <laughs> he could keep his tires under him uh, throughout a stint and it's really impressive uh, we need to get him uh, really up to speed on fresh rubber 
And so we'll be giving him as much uh, and as much running on fresh rubber as we possibly can to get, get him. Because the one thing right now he's not doing is maximizing uh, his ability when the rubber is freshest. Uh, as, a, as a man who's driven all sorts of uh, uh, historic uh, exotica, some of which uh, uh, wasn't even particularly good in its period, uh, <laughs> as he would admit himself. Uh, famously, when he, he was driving in the uh, driving at uh, Monaco in the oh my god the uh, uh, one of the one of the, an ex Sterling Moss, its name escapes me. It'll come to me in a second. And Sterling Moss, Moss did sit down beside him at one stage and said, "What are you driving?" He said, "Oh, I'm driving the whatever." And forgive me for not. It'll literally come back to me in a minute. And Moss's reaction was. Oh, blimey, you're not driving that, are you? So, uh, what, that so- round here? Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anybody who drives older cars is not worried about them moving around underneath them. So when the tyres start to go off, that that's not an issue. As I've said many times before, and, uh, you know, I'll put my hand up straight away, I, I don't do enough driving. But one of the biggest things, even if you do a lot more driving than me, uh, is to switch on the tyres, to get the tyres switched on and get the best out of them early, whether it's in qualifying or those first few laps of a stint. Now, all right, you've got to balance that with the fact that they're going to have to last, you know, 35, 40, 50 laps, depending on where you are, maybe an hour uh, of, of racing, maybe a bit longer sometimes. And you've got to balance that and know which tyres you've got to bring in quickly, which ones you've got to bring in slightly slower. It's a, it's a real skill. And I mean, sorry to use the the pun but it is a black art and you know it's just some for qualifying no point in putting me out in a set of tires brand new tires for qualifying uh, you might as well just give us a set of used tires and say drive as fast as you can hind off um which is why i went which is why i went in third in our qualifying session at, at quarter there was no point in me getting the best of the new tires i wouldn't have been able to use them so you know i, I know exactly what you're talking about um just mention of mark miller before we let you go and, and uh, Tim's got a, um, a complete non sequitur for you um, in a oh, but few moments' time. Non sequitur for Mark Miller? For, no, for for Dex, as, which is what I said. Um, yeah. I, in, in a moment, but mention of Mark Miller there. Um, Mark's been getting a bit of sneaky practicing at. Uh, uh, at Sebring and did rather well in a completely different series talking about people who can adapt to pretty much anything so long as it's got four wheels a steering wheel and some pedals well he did he he won the uh, TA2 race uh, at the opening uh, event for the Trans Am series uh, at Sebring so he's already been in victory lane, which is good. He knows where it is. He won't have any issues. He won't have the famous Trevor Bain issue when he won the Daytona 500 of not knowing where victory lane was. So uh, he will, uh, he'll know where he's going. Uh, it's fantastic for him as well. We're just thrilled that, that, that as our program is coming together and we weren't fully aware of, of how big it was going to be or the extent of it, Mark went off to do other, to, to, to you know, find other gigs. And he got this great offer from a team he'd run with He'd run with them uh, at Detroit in the IMSA support event or the IndyCar support event a couple of years ago and uh, loved the car, got the offer to do it, looked at the schedule and realized there was only one clash. So he went, yes, oh, wow. sign, me, sign me up. So, uh, and he, of course he won and he beat Rafa Matos, an IndyCar, former IndyCar uh, and sports car guy, guy who's driven for Risi in the past as well. Uh Beat Rafa Mattis uh, at Sebring in a in a very controlled and and tactical and smart bit of driving uh, to 
reel him in over the course of the uh, of the of the the 27 laps and did a fantastic job and and obviously we love that he's coming into the race with such form and confidence and and I can't imagine it being a uh, a bad thing. Uh, just a, a quick final word uh, about the reaction uh, to the announcement. First of all, the car looks stunning. And everybody has said that it's already appearing online in some of the esports virtual racing uh, as well. We had just an, a remarkable response to having CJ on here when he uh, an, announced the the program, Declan. Uh, you guys must be delighted with the the warmth of feeling that's that's coming through from the fan base. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, it it is. We had. I tracked the, the, the numbers and in the first hour we had a million impressions on Twitter, wow. which is which is in the first hour that it just exploded like from four to five p.m. when we made the announcement that day. So thank you very much for your, obviously your contribution to that and the same to the guys who Marshall and and and, uh, and Graham uh, who who dropped the story at the same time as you did, which is fantastic. We're delighted. It it just shows you the power of that series. Yes. Uh, it shows you the 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 how active the fan base is and how eager they are for, and and right now it just shows you like as we join the health we're joining a a, a series in pretty rude health, mm. and uh, and it is uh, I'm not going to say it was easy to put the program together and it wasn't and we continue to develop opportunities to get the car on track out for more races. Watch this space you'll be hearing about some some uh, more shortly, but uh, but it is it's we we are in a position to sell this program because the series is healthy and it's, it's giving us opportunities to do that. And we're delighted about that. So um, thanks Dex for and, and best of luck with that. Give our best to Kuno. He's a great guy. I, 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 I can completely understand how he's got on so well with the team because he's just like that in real life. And, you know, outside of his, his racing as well, smashing guy. He's a great addition to your team. And uh, I think that will be uh uh, that that's a really good hire for you. Now, before you go, Tim has something uh, completely different. It's not completely yes. different because uh, it relates back to Mark Miller uh, winning a Sebring. All right. Uh, because it's only thanks to uh, Declan uh, pointing out that uh, Mark had won and beaten Rafa Matos that I found out that I was actually entered for that race. That's right. And uh, unfortunately, I uh, I didn't know in advance, so I went to see Itonia at the cinema and uh, therefore only finished 19th. Two laps down. Um, <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there a Tim Gray racing as well? Uh, there is. There's also another Tim Gray who I believe. I mean, a team called Tim Gray. Yeah, racing they rented this weekend. Is uh, the... taking part at Silverstone this weekend. Correct. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh... Tim Gray Motorsport. So Tim, that is. Tim, you seem to be on. Um, you're omnipresent. Are you God? Yeah. Only his own mind. Yeah. Uh, I think Eve would have something to. Uh, he's, he's God of the sliders. That. You know what we're saying, yeah. producers. Yes, God of the side. Uh, Tim Gray used to be a director of Epic Motorsports, who back in 2013 had uh, cars um, worth £60,000 stolen from them over in the the West. uh, And down the A66, they were racing the wrong way down the road. Uh, Mindy, I've I've never been a fan of people using superlatives uh, to name their companies, uh, whether it be a hotel group or a racing. I'd rather stay at really quite okay hotels then uh then then we're really awesome which you know they won't be and uh awesome motorsport epic racing yeah epic motorsport um before we let dex go actually uh shea adam is on the line from florida good evening shea good afternoon as it is to you hello um 
you were at that Sebring test when the car rolled off, when Dex's new car, well, you know, CJ Wilson's racing car, um, uh, the uh, uh, rolled off the uh, rolled off the trailer. You sat in it. We used that picture for that week's uh, midweek motorsport on the the website RadioLeMond.com. Does it look as good <laughs> in in the carbon fibre and in the real life as it does on the pictures? No, much, much better. The pictures do not do the car really? justice. It's, it's got this sheen to it that just doesn't come across through any photo I've seen. Uh, and Dex, were you uh, were you happy with what ha- went on at that Sebring test in terms of getting that car up to speed, getting the teams up to speed? And how important was it for CJ Wilson's team to, to be there and to get those miles under the wheels? Uh, John, we were thrilled. Uh, beyond thrill. I thought you were going to say something horrible there the way you started no, that. We're, we're worryingly thrilled insofar as the car was really, really quick, you know, uh, out of the trailer. It was it, it was really, really, it was very encouraging. Mark was fantastic till really started to get up the pace. As he said, we need to work on his, his uh, new tire pace. But uh, yeah, we're... We're we're in in the ballpark to use an, some uh, a baseball uh, vernacular. We are uh, obviously we've a lot to learn about racing in this series and about uh, oh, uh, with in terms of the crew and everything we're going to do over twelve hours on the, our approach to the week. But in terms of the raw pace of the car, we're we're to 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 paraphrase or to quote Conor McGregor, we're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Love it. Dex, thanks for being uh, with us tonight. And the news then that Kino Whitmer will be the, the third driver in the long races for the CJ Wilson NSX programme, joining Till Bechtelsheimer and Mark Miller. And by the way, Dex, the bit about the cryptocurrency had me howling with laughter on the Till Bechtelsheimer fast facts. That was Well, his wife thought the him being drafted second by clerical error in the WNBA was, was the best that, one. But uh, that was quite funny. Thank you all. We'll have to wait till next year and we'll have a whole fresh set. Brilliant. Dex, thanks for being with us. Cheers, mate. All the best. Bye-bye. Declan Brennan uh, joining us there. Kuno Whitner. Always on a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, and you didn't say Happy New Year to him, Tim. That was a... Uh... It's not the first time I've spoken to Dex uh, this year. Oh, ah, right. Okay. But it uh, might be the first time I've spoken to him on air. On the radio. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I Kuno... did say Happy New Year to... Now, who did I say Happy New Year to earlier? I said, ah, ha- yes, someone uh, not on the radio. I did uh, start an email to someone um, involved in Rallycross with Happy New Year. Mm. Uh, uh, Shea Adam, as I said. we're live. Yes, uh, what's the... 1-0. Oh, okay. Uh, Shea oh. Adam uh, with us uh, for a little bit of American news. Um, Marshall Pro on his travels uh, this week, getting ready for IndyCar, of which more... Uh, that's coming up the weekend, of yeah. course. We're going uh, to talk to Shay about IndyCar. She'll tell us lots and lots. But first of all, I want to just quickly wrap up some of uh, the stories from that Sebring IMSA WeatherTech test, which we uh, brought to you uh, thanks to Cadillac, because real racers don't take days off. Um, an interesting test. A lot of people there. Very busy paddock. Um, and yeah. we were talking about Acuras, but the, the prototype Acuras, the DPI, or sorry, the LM, uh, the P Acuras, prototype Acuras, I should have just stayed there. P for Penske, P for prototype. Um, both, both had dramas, but not seemingly at the same time. Yeah, the uh, six, I think it was, the car driven by Dane Cameron and Juan Pablo Montoya, they had an issue, and it was either the first or the second session of the day, 
on that Thursday where the car was actually taken apart. It was in a, about a million little pieces, and that might be a slight over-dramatization, but it was in a lot of different pieces. They did what I believe was a complete engine change on the car and then sent it back out. It was out for the night practice, but when the night practice rolled around, all of a sudden the seven <laughs> car started having some issues. So this is something we've seen from Penske so far this year. This happened at the Roar where one car would be out turning laps and the other one would be back in the garage with some issue but it never happened at the same time so it was just kind of funny to see that that continued on they weren't the only team that managed to go without issues though john there there were quite a few red flags for a variety of things uh there was a gearbox problem for pippo durani driving in the number 22 uh the esm nissan dpi when he got out he went over to the pace or the uh tow truck as it was because they towed him back in a way that he didn't really agree with and it ruined a set of continentals so he was not happy Hmm. Um, about that but the car did go back out later in the day uh there was also quite a big yep. crash at turn 17 at sunset yep. wasn't there and that was a cause yeah. of one of the number yeah. of red red flags poor alex sims it, it was and poor alex sims he was beating himself up afterwards uh went into marion's got two bowls of ice cream and was eating one with each hand um <laughs> it was just a driver error and the crew and i'm not exaggerating on that uh the crew was able to get the car back but it didn't go out this was in the morning or early on in the afternoon session of friday's running they were a little bit concerned about the spare parts that they had but once they oh. got all the bodywork off they realized they would be able to fix it but alexander he met turn 17 in a rude way after doing so well on the race last year mm. uh, at the other end of the lap uh big crash in turn one yeah that was the jdc miller motorsport the banana boat uh simon tremor was driving went straight on at turn one big concern for them they got the car back to the garage and then realized that everything was okay They were able to roll the car onto the trailer, so it was not chassis damage, but it is a lot of work going on to that car. And also, we talked a little bit uh, about before the Mazdas packing up their test early. That was Mm. a fire for the number 55. That was right at the pit entry. Um, And the only other big red flag that I can remember was a slight bit of irony. The 29, the Land Motorsport Audi, (laughs) they put these fillers in the fuel tank to try and assist with the BOP and to try and make the fuel tank the right size. One of them came loose very early in either the first or the second session on Thursday, causing a red flag because they lost all fuel pressure. So that was a bit, uh, a bit odd, but the team was able to get that repaired very quickly. And all three of their drivers turned a lot of laps. Uh, As you've mentioned the land car there and the fuel pressure, we've had a new rule uh, for a, a, a technical bulletin from IMSA about yes. fuel fill. Now, this uh, you, you'll remember a few weeks ago, dear listener, we, we read out which what I thought was a really sensible um, statement that we got from IMSA after we'd asked them about what happened at Daytona in the 29 car. Um, there is now a, uh, a bogey time, if you will, for filling each of the different types of uh, different classes of cars along the pit lane. It's 40 seconds for GT Daytonas for the GT3 cars. Now, there's been a lot of people, again, not reading stuff, I'm afraid. Yes. Uh, this is a test that will be done before racing starts as part, as, I, as I'm as i reading this, and I've read the bulletin now as well, so not just how the bulletin's been reported, I've read the technical bulletin as well. The way I read this year, this is going to be part of the pre-race technical inspection. That's exactly correct. What they're going to do is when they bring the cars in for the pre-race scrutineering, if you'd like, 
The cars will be empty. They will time how long it takes for the car to get to full. It has to reach that minimum time in the pre-race scrutineering, in that tech session. It's not saying that you have to be filling for 40 seconds in a pit stop during the race. Every time you come in, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't change the strategy. It doesn't change anything about the racing. And quite frankly, as soon as the green flag falls, you don't have to fill up your tank full if you don't want to on any of your stops. It's not going to impact anyone's enjoyment of the racing. But what it's done is formalized what that thought that IMSA Technical had, that this is the sort of time we're expecting people to fill in. and But that just wasn't written down anywhere. Now it is. That wrong has been put right. And I'm not sure that's really been understood by a lot of the people who are running around as if their hair was on fire uh, about exactly. this. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll put my hand up and say I'm not a big fan of um, uh, mandating pit stop times. But the filling time for IMSA is part of the BOP. And you're not mandating the pit stop time. You're not saying you've got to start with full. Uh, We see it in the VLN where there's mandatory pit stops. It's done for different reasons. But at the end of the race, your pit stop time is free. Once you get inside, I think it's the last 35, 40 minutes. We've seen people fall foul of it in... Um, FIAWEC at quarter last year, there was an infringement on a pit stop time there. And I've got to be honest, that is so complicated. I don't understand that at all. And um, I've asked Paul to explain it to me several times and he's done it very slowly. Um, and I still don't <laughs> understand it. But this this is effectively, this is a pre-race check. Um, the, the, the statutory times are minimum times for fueling are set out for each of the three different classes. It does not impact one iota in... Uh, on strategy um there was no timing going on at sebring um and there was pretty good reasons for that year yeah and i had a very interesting conversation with paul walter about this very thing because from his point of view being second in command of the emsa race control he was saying that the teams were asked to come to this test to run different setups at different times to try and help figure out a different BOP. Not all teams were being asked to do the same things at the same time. So if they had given the times to everybody, it would have been to an uninformed audience. And that's just beside the point. You don't want somebody looking at the time and going, oh, look, Mercedes is sandbagging. They're three seconds off the pace. Well, maybe they're running a full fuel and a higher downforce level. We just don't know. So for IMSA, it was a smarter thing to keep all of the testing private, the times, and say to the teams, hey, you guys are rocket scientists. You're Mm. capable of timing your own cars. You've got a stopwatch. You've got a computer. You know what your time should be. You don't really need to know what everybody else is. That makes it more difficult to try and play this game. There were some people in talking to many different IMSA officials who said that they were just not even bothering. They were trying to break stuff on their cars. They know what kind of speed that they should go for. But there were some teams who were just playing games. They were running around a second or more off the pace of what they did last year with better BOP. It doesn't make sense. And Imsen knows when you're doing that. They also know when you're actually trying. And here's a spoiler. When teams do what Imsa asks them to do, they tend to do pretty well. Look at what happened with Ford in the December test. They ran exactly what IMSA asked them to do to the point where they were done a session early with all the IMSA work, and they got a free session to set up their cars for the 24. Who won the 24 this year? That's a good point. That would be Ford. Yeah, good point. Uh, We'll talk about Sebring and the 12 hours, the Mobile World 12 hours of Sebring and uh, the 
CTSC race in more detail next week on the show when we'll be coming live from Sebring, Florida. But I'll say very quickly, there are 43 entries for the 12 hours. That's 16 prototypes, 9 GTLMs and 18 GT Daytonas. CTSC, 27 GS, 27 GS, yeah. 5 TCRs uh, and 5 STs. Uh, we've also got GT3, uh, uh, the first round of the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup by Yokohama, nine Canadian entries, 26 from the US, which is 16 platinum and 10 gold. Uh, as well, that week we'll have the Prototype Challenge, uh, which is 17 LMP3s and nine Mazda-powered cars. Um, before we talk IndyCar, let's talk um, a, a quick moment about a story we talked about last week. Um, oh, is this Miami? Uh, yes. Yes. So, Sheer, this is on your doorstep. Formula One in Miami. Um, we sort of poo-pooed it, but it looks like it might happen. Well, well, we'll see. Um, I talked to a few different people who work for the city of Miami. They seem to think it's going to happen, but they also seem to be operating under the impression that it's just a reboot of the Miami Grand Prix that ran here <laughs> with sports cars for so many years. Uh, no. Yeah. Grade one circuit, first of all. Grade one circuit. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's that's not going to happen. The streets are bumpy enough driving around in a pickup truck, let alone in a Formula One car. The only thing that makes me curious about it is the fact that RSE Ventures is involved. They are run in part by Stephen Ross, the guy who owns the Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, yeah. Exactly. He is a huge financial backer. If they've got him involved... They found the money that the city doesn't have slash are not prepared to put up for this race. They had a meeting in November to discuss six possible courses, one of which included driving through the Port of Miami Tunnel. Uh, No, massive no. I've done that in a streetcar. It's not fun. Um, So they've already had a couple of the circuits shot down. We'll see if this does happen. But the people I know who are in the know seem to think that it's basically just sports cars all over again. And, hmm, no, that's not going to work. Well, Stephen Ross is not short of a bob or two, and neither of his companies. He's just spent $30 million on a uh, cyber security firm in a bid to, as I quote him, build a brand that aims to demystify cyber security for small and mid-sized businesses. Uh, Scout well, Secure Intelligence, uh, that and his, is. His also recent project was revamping the Miami Dolphins Stadium, where I think he put up $160 million to do it. And then the taxpayers had to fill in the rest of the $400 million. Ah, OK. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to IndyCar. IndyCar. Yay. Uh, Starting a week early. Well, yes. Clocks uh, change at the weekend in the States, by the way. So those of you listening oh, it's in... going to be confusing for listeners next week. Oh, do they? Yeah. So, yeah, so we're an hour different next week. And the changes... And it always is for Sebring. It has been since the, the US started changing the, the clocks at a different time from everybody else. Uh, so we only have a four-hour difference for Sebring. Um, and it, but it will change this weekend whilst we are on the air, I think. Uh, or at least no. whilst the 24 is underway. Well, in parts of the US, it'll be uh, while the uh, race is while we're on the air. Um, the oh, yes, of course. West you are. Because it all changes at different times. Yeah. It's and always... Arizona doesn't change at all. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, what? they're special. What? Okay. Uh, so Arizona doesn't have daylight savings time? No. No, they don't believe in it. So they go they, from they being seven there. hours behind to eight hours behind and flobble about? Yeah. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, IndyCart the weekend. Saint Peter's uh, so traditional first, first of all, Cup. Yeah. Uh, in IndyCart, two becomes one. Uh, which is chassis. Car numbers. Oh, car numbers. Okay. Because Newgarten reigning champion gets a number one on oh, his car. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. I'm, he's, I'm sure he's delighted about that. Uh, the race is Sunday at half past 12 local time, qualifying Saturday afternoon. Seven rookies this year, Shea. Yeah. No. Binder, King, Leist, Wickens, Clement DeMello, Veach, and Harvey. The last three have started at least one IndyCar race in the past. The first four complete and total rookies. So it's going to be an initiation by fire because although St. Pete is a track that a lot of people know, it's not exactly one that you can test on. It's not one that very many simulators are accurate for because they tend to slightly alter the track every year. It's still 1.8 miles with 14 turns. But when they actually get out there, they feel the potholes for themselves. They're able to do the track walk. It's going to be different. You've missed some rookies. Pietro Fittipaldi, for example. Uh, is he racing St. Pete? Uh, he's not racing St. Pete, but he's doing, he's doing more than one race this year. Yeah, but we're only talking about St. Pete at the moment. I thought we were doing a season preview. No, oh, it's not time for oh. that. We're doing a St. Pete's preview. Yeah. Uh, um, 110 laps, it is bumpy. I, I have to say, I like the uh, the layout of St. Pete's. Always have done. Enjoyed it when we went there with the sports cars. Elio's the Grand Marshal. Uh, it's a 11 Chevy 13 Honda split. And I, I I don't know. I mean, Marshall was was talking about the engines and who has uh, who has the advantage uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had him on the show. But I mean, St. Peter's an opener. How representative is that of the rest of the season? Is is the question that I would ask. Well, pretty representative considering that they go from St. Pete. They've got one or two ovals or one oval before they go to Indy. They've got a barber. And then of course they've also got Long Beach. Long so Beach, if you do yeah. well at St. Pete, you're likely to do well at Long Beach. And that's a pretty good race that everybody wants to win. But I can give you a spoiler if you'd like, John, I can tell you who's going to win St. Pete this weekend. Well, go well, if, if you're going to do that, you have to tell us the reason behind it. Okay. I think it's going to be Scott Dixon because this year he won the 24 hours of Daytona long. Westbrook and Ryan Briscoe. Who won St. Pete last year? That would be Sebastian Bourdais, Bourdais. who won Daytona alongside Joey Hand and uh, Dirk Mueller. I think there's an IMSA effect. You can lead the points in both series. Okay. What about the rest of the season then, Shea? I mean, uh, we've got you some know, new teams, haven't we? Yeah, we have got some new teams. Oh, yeah. And we've got some new personnel for existing teams. Great article about uh, our friend Piers, the genial Geordie, uh, basically being told by. Uh, Sam Smith to rip the team apart and rebuild it, and he, he's done that. And they've already seen the uh, the fruits of of those labours, and they've they've added Lena Gade to that team this year. Yeah, and it's going to be Lena's first race on her birthday weekend. So good luck, Lena. We're all cheering for you. And of course, with that affable Canadian in the car as well, you can't help but uh, hope that the number five goes well. There is Carlin Motorsports, which I know is one that uh, is a new team. It's going to be interesting to see how Charlie Kimball. And his now teammate, uh, Max Chilton, can fare because, of course, they were running with Ganassi for the last few years, a team with massive firepower. We've also got Michael Shank Racing making uh, the debut with Jack Harvey. They're doing their first non-Indy 500 start. And Mike Shank has always had a love for IndyCar. So for him, this is 
a really big step in the right direction. They're also teamed up with Schmidt-Peterson. But as you mentioned, a lot of people moving around, moving home, and a lot of drivers moving home too. I mean, we've got Tony Kanaan racing for A.J. Foyt. That's another childhood dream mm-hmm. for him. And we do have a little bit of that uh, Nations Cup. We've got Team Canada with Schmidt-Peterson. We've got Team Brazil with A.J. Foyt. <laughs> uh, Team America with Andretti, all of their drivers being from the USA. Wow. It's going to be quite crazy to see who can come out on top and wave the flag. All of the Andretti drivers are from the US? Yeah, they've yes. got Zach Veach, who's from Ohio, uh, Alex Rossi, who's from California, Ryan Hunter-Ray, who lives about a mile north of me, and uh, then they've got Marco Andretti from Pennsylvania. Do you know, it doesn't seem so long, does it, that you know when we were doing the season previews, we were saying there aren't enough US drivers in IndyCar, and that's one of its problems. And, and it, that seems like yesterday when we were talking about that. It's it, That's quite an extraordinary uh, stat. Um, who have you got there, for the... still a couple of Americans who haven't been able to get drivers. So well, yes. Connor Daly is uh, this week announced that he will race at the 500, but he's not doing the rest of the season. J.R. Hildebrand is uh, not racing. Same. Yeah. There are some good drivers, aren't there, that haven't got full season seats. I mean, it, it'd be great Elio for... Castro Neves. Yeah. Slightly well, he's, different he's circumstances. Answer. And he's got a different series, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. To do. Um, so, who who are we look at? You can't look outside, surely, the big teams. Um, eight out of 24 drivers, Americans, uh, in the, the field this year. Um, you can't look outside the big teams, surely, for uh, a, a championship. Or, or are we going to get another surprise? Oh, you know, I would not be surprised to see Joseph Newgarden get two in a row. Uh, really? That guy, he wow. just clicked. He's he's figured it out with Penske. And with an organization like that behind you, it's something to be reckoned with. But you can never count out Scott Dixon. Hmm. He's a man who doesn't seem to have enough championships for his name, even though he's got four from IndyCar. Um, it's really throw a dart at this point. We're not going to know until we get a little further into the series who are contenders and who are pretenders. But Joseph could make it too. Um, well, he's got the right team behind him, yeah. but it's notoriously difficult to to defend a championship. Um, what about the Indy 500? All bets are off for that one, and, and we'll we'll talk about that in more detail when we get round to the, the month away. Far less important this year uh, because. Uh, because uh, they've changed the number of points that you score for getting pole. Uh, oh. Last year, uh, so, Scott so Dixon was le- on pole position and got 42 points for being there. So This year, the pole wow. will get nine points. Yeah, so less important for the championship, oh. but still important for staying out of trouble in the opening laps. Yes. And, and for the headlines in the early part of the month, I suppose, as well. Uh, no Fernando Alonso this year, though, as far as we know, going to Indy, correct? Yes. He's going to do but- them on instead. You know, in terms of who would win that race, I can't think of a better redemption story than Sebastian Bourdais. Mm. That's who I'll be cheering for. And uh, the most important uh, new thing uh, for IndyCar this year is is happening at the start of September. Which is? Portland. Oh, they're going back to Portland. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you know, I used to love racing. Are they on the, the same track they used to race on before? Yes. Oh, yep. excellent. Did you ever go there with the ELMS, Shea? You didn't, did you? No, it was before my time. Uh, but I watched all of the races of it. Um, that, you know, um, Jill Campbell now at uh, Master Race with Laguna Seca, um, she started off in sports cars by promoting that race 
the Rose City Grand Prix. Fantastic. Oh, I used to love going there. Portland's a fantastic city. The IndyCar guys are going to love it. The surrounding areas are, are brilliant. Great music scene, great uh, bar culture and restaurant culture. Uh, I bought a very nice guitar there, actually, down on First really? Street. Yes, sitting, it's sitting right behind me. Uh, down on First Street is where all the uh, the music shops are. It's very good. Yeah. And, of course... I, I will have to go and have a look because I am going to that race. Uh, and there's no, um, there's no sales tax there either. Ah, so it's a good place to buy things. Yes. Or is that across the river? I can never remember which way around it is. Um, but anyway, I, I, I'm pretty certain that, I, that was one of the reasons I bought my guitar there. Um, anything else for IndyCar? Uh, no, we'll talk about uh, what happens in St. Petersburg next week on yeah. the show. All good stuff. Shay, thanks for joining us. And uh, you're going to come on the show next week when we're live from, from Sebring. Good luck keeping me off the show. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Shea Adam joining us live from Florida uh, on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks very much, Shea. Uh, we're actually running into a little bit of overtime, but just time enough for me then to tell you about our live coverage this weekend. Um, starts on Friday at uh, with qualifying, which is an hour and a quarter at 9.45 um, no sales tax in Oregon. Thank you. It's across the river. Thank you. It's across the Washington River. Poland Thank- is in Oregon. Uh, yes, correct. Uh, sorry, I got, I got it right the first time. Then. Thank you, Andy Blackmore, for letting me know that. Um, uh, let me go back to what I was telling you. Timetable for the 24-hour series at the weekend has been changed just a little bit. There's a full day of testing uh, tomorrow, private testing. Uh, we're going to swing by and have a word with one or two people later in the afternoon. Um, I should also mention, for those of you for whom uh, this is important, that uh, it will be um, Al Green's funeral and his memorial service tomorrow. Uh, for those of you who knew, I'll just think of them. Uh, take some time tomorrow and uh, take a few seconds, half a minute or a minute, uh, just to, to think some nice thoughts. Um, our best to Rebecca uh, and his uh, family for tomorrow. Um, on Friday, 9.45 to 11 o'clock, all local times, uh, that's qualifying. The 12 hours starts at 1 o'clock local time in the afternoon and runs through till uh, 8 o'clock, uh, till 6 o'clock. So five hours. Yes, that's right. First five hours of the 12 hours. And then we've got night practice for the 24 hours, which is a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. That runs for 90 minutes between 7 and 8.30 on Friday night. The start of part two of the 12 hours and now the start of the 24 hours of Silverstone is at the same time. Um, we on the grid at 9.45 in the morning and the race starts after Nick's grid walk at 10.30. Are you ready for that? Have you got your, have, you got your thermals? I'll have a hat. You'll have a hat. Uh, the 12 hours of Silverstone will finish at half past five on Saturday, but will, of course, the 24 hours will continue through till 10.30 the next morning. So I'll do, I'll do a shouty podium presentation. Yeah, for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Live in Sound and Vision, everything that we've mentioned there, qualifying, uh, the 12 hours part one, night practice, and of course, the 24 hours. For the most part, there will be a break overnight when TV um, decide to turn everything off and leave us in the dark. Um, but we'll, I'm certain that Paul will stay around and write me a whole load of post-it notes so I know what happens when we well, come he'll back. Need, he'll need a little heater, I'm sure. Yeah. Could, could we just, instead of going off air... 
just have the noise of the cars on the track and Paul interjecting every 15 minutes or so. Uh, you know what? If I asked him, I'm sure he'd probably say yes. He does like to wander around during the pits, though. He, he, does. he, does. he wanders about. Well, you could give him the radio mic. Because he doesn't no, get that can't, freedom. Because the radio mic goes to the camera and it won't be there. We won't have no. radio mics because of the TV not being there. That's that's the reason that we haven't got the facilities. Um, but the vast majority of it will be live, as it was uh, last year. We've got a much bigger team than last year, which I won't bore you with now. Um, listen they all put on the weight that you've lost? Uh, you said I've, they're much bigger. Um, yes, we have more or people. Do you mean more numerous? Yeah, we have more numerous. Yeah, we have a bigger team. Several. The team is bigger, <laughs> numerically. Um, so uh, 9:45 on Friday morning uh, for that. I was in the paddock today. The Ram Racing Mercedes was there, not yet with the tank hooks on. It had another tyre brand on, um, in silver and electric blue highlights. It looked fantastic. In fact, I took a picture of it. I will, I'll post that out on the Specutainment. Uh, let's have a quick final look at TweetDeck. Thanks for all the uh, chats. Seems that everybody is uh, very appreciative of CJ Wilson Racing being on again, and Kuno Whitmer's getting a big thumbs up from pretty much everybody. Uh, this weekend, for this weekend, uh, the the pic. Oh, sorry, for the um, NEAC, uh, the picture of our team transport in front of race control went down very well today as well. Uh, handsome, very handsome looking car, and uh, that's about all there is time for this evening. And uh, there's no. Oh, one thing I do want to say: mm-hmm. we did get the new stickers this week from Dan at uh, Stickers Four. Uh, and we've added a new one, the the absolutely best collective sticker ever, because only people in the collective will even understand it. It is the Miggins Pies sticker. Um, I got the T-shirt presented to me a couple of seasons ago now um, by Tom and Matt, who did the artwork. I think we were in America when we did it, uh, when, when I got that. And in fact, I wore it for a photo shoot for getting IMSA back together. So it's a couple of three years ago now. Um, They've allowed us to use that artwork. The Miggins Pie Llama sticker is available through Stickers 4, the ultimate collective sticker, because literally only people who are on the collective know anything about it. (laughs) Uh, Along with the new version of the helmet sticker, the new Super Laguerre Hindy in the Aston Martin Racing overalls, which is very funny. Thank you for doing that, Dan. And a number of our new logos... And a special responsible adult sticker as well, mm. powered by Eve. Well, do you have to have uh, qualifications of any sort to have that sticker? Um, I, I, do you I, have I've, to demonstrate? I think you have to be approved. I think you have to be approved. Basically, you have to go around think, saying to yourself before you do anything, what would Eve think? I think first we have to pass your basic GCSE in cat herding, don't you? Kitten herding, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, by the way, are there any baking qualifications? Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think it's beyond baking, really. I I need a I need a photograph of you as well. Um, of uh, Nick. Of Nick and. I, c- I can supply Nick. you with some great photographs of Nick. Right, great. Send them to me, and I need some photographs of you as well, Tim. I don't do photographs. No, but but there uh, there is there's been a collective plea issued oh, for it for a Tim <laughs> sticker. 
right? Would it have oh, one ear have massively talk... loud and one ear tiny with the different volumes we have? I'm going to have to talk uh, to Eve about image rights here, aren't I? Yeah, <laughs> yes, you certainly are. You certainly are. Uh, right, that's it. There's uh, no time to explain Still the law. Still nil-nil, by the way. St- it was 1-0 before you said. So 1-0. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, the only goal. Both the games I, I, I've noticed have finished. Right. So this one's still going on in the Liga Nacional de Guatemala. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much to all our guests tonight. We've rolled on through a lot of work this evening. Next week, uh, we will be at Sebring. Uh, and the I Americans, the Americans, either. The Americans' clocks will have changed. Oh, so it's Tuesday. So... <laughs> Uh, we're still at 8 o'clock in the UK, but for those of you in the States, that will then be 4, four o'clock, o'clock on the East, East Coast. Coast. Yes. Obviously, if you're in... 6 o'clock in Arizona, possibly. 2 o'clock in Arizona. 2 o'clock in Arizona. 1 o'clock in California, or possibly 3 o'clock in Arizona. Don't know. Yeah. Arizona will be the same time as it always as, is. No, it won't. Yes, it, it will. will. The yes, good point. Till we change, of course, in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, so yes. So if you're in Arizona... So they'll be out of sync. Yeah. Next week's show will be on at the usual time. Yeah, anywhere else in the States, we're going to be an hour later. If you are in Arizona, can you tweet John so we know we have an Arizona person? <laughs> yeah, I'd speak your team. And tell us what time we're on, so right. we know. We're well into extra time here, uh, so we're going to uh, call a close to this, and uh, we'll <laughs> speak to you again next week, when part of the team, at least, will be in what I hope is sunny and warm Sebring, as we get ready for the Mobile One Sebring 12 hours. But before that, it's the 24 hours and the 12 hours from Silverstone this weekend. Join us from a quarter to 10, 9.45 UK time on Friday morning in sound and vision. Good night. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.